0: Hello, blenders, and welcome, welcome to episode number 125 of Real Blend, a podcast dedicated to the loving memory of the late, great, fake of Tremblay. My name is Sean O'Connell, the managing director here at Cinema Blend, and I am pleased as punch. To welcome you to a whole new episode of Real Blend. Uh, And you might have already heard us this week because we did have a bonus episode with the amazing Mike Flanagan. We'll talk about that in a minute. In this week's episode, we will discuss whether Hamilton should qualify for an Oscar. We are going to review new films. We have new films coming to streaming services, uh, including Palm Springs and the Tom Hanks World War II submarine thriller Greyhound. And as a special guest on the show, the director and the writer of Palm Springs are joining us, uh, which is coming to Hulu starting on Friday. That is Max Barbacau and Andy Sierra. But before we get to that, oh my gosh, that was a mouthful. Uh, I'm going to start with Kevin McCarthy of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Hi, Kev. Hi,
1: Sean. Um, I'm just uh, because I'm so ADD. I am yes. genuinely ADD. But um, I've never heard that punch line you just mentioned. What, what, what you said, what was the line you said at the beginning of the show about something being as punch? uh please does punch please does punch i've never, never heard, heard that, that before okay, no really? what does that even mean
0: like I'm he's not happy sure. yeah but it's like, like um, i don't know why it's a phrase no no, know no it's a phrase? there's it's no alliteration nothing wrong with punch. it i'm just
1: wondering what punch has to do with being pleased i was just i've never heard that terminology before great question gabe look I, that
2: think, I think i think you please. have there's thought more about
0: of... that expression than anyone's ever thought period Gabe, to look things up well, the other person speaking into his microphone, Jake Hamilton of Fox Thirty Two in Chicago. Hi, Jakey.
2: Is it a southern? Is that why you and I would know it, Sean? Is it a southern Please thing? Just
0: punch. Um, maybe like a bless his heart sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Bless which translates heart. to you're stupid. Yeah, and and I hate you in the nicest way possible you're an yeah. awful person and i if hate
2: my if, if you ever meet my mom and she ever yeah. says oh bless your heart what your she heart. means it's saying is that you're stupid
0: well it also kind of means like i feel really sorry for you because you're so because far you're gone stupid. and i can't help you yeah largely because you're stupid but if they're like oh bless your heart it means like oh you failed so hard or life. or oh honey oh that's another one yeah when you yeah. hear that you've done something really bad yeah oh, oh honey. honey oh honey all right anyway <laughs> kevin see there you go Soliloquies. From uh, the two southern hosts of the show. Gabe Um, has a response. Oh. So
3: I looked this up and it took me down um, a far different rabbit hole than I intended. Okay. Uh, So it refers to the Punch and Judy puppet character. What? (laughs) And in Punch and Judy, the grotesque Punch is portrayed as self-satisfied and pleased with his evil actions. Oh. So that's the reference. Punch and
0: Judy. I didn't mean for it to be so dark. That <laughs> got really dark, dark and, and disturbing. That's according
3: to this this website, this random website. Can I we just
2: address you. how yeah. much things have changed in the last 10 weeks, the last 10 episodes like? Sure. And the, the what I'm saying is we used to have to almost grab Gabe yeah. by the collar and right. drag him to the nearest microphone to yes. get the smallest little peep. Out of his cute little Timberick's voice,
3: right, and right, now
2: right. like he's just jumping all up in our show yeah. with things
0: to say well, just, and information. I
3: just feel like the the bit ran its course, you know,
0: <laughs> the bit of silence. Like,
3: yes, <laughs> it ran
0: its course. <laughs> He's even in the Flanagan. Interview. He's in the
2: Flanagan. No, oh, yeah. Flanagan brings him in the Flanagan interview, which That's was true. the best. Yes. Like, okay, we are like. I'm not gonna get too much into it, but like, didn't we all? At least I know I did. When he started talking directly to Gabe, yeah. I just felt this like swell of pride, and I had just just this. <laughs> if, if my video were working, you could have yeah. seen me have the biggest smile on my face because I was so excited. Because yeah. Gabe really didn't want to jump in the interview, but he was brought in by
1: Flanagan himself, which I think is the greatest thing ever. Have you guys listened to the Gabe cut of um, that interview yet? It Not doesn't yet, exist. No. It's quick. It's a brief one. Just Gabe saying something real fast.
0: <laughs> well, <in> the context <laughs> in the context if I remember correctly, he was talking about the sets and Flanagan's like, Gabe, you remember you were there. Like, remember when we were <laughs> pretty um, sweet. at the Overlook? Pretty sweet." Gabe, you and I together. It's quite the
3: introduction, to be honest.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> between insane. between
2: you and Flanagan being besties on the on the shining set and Quentin Tarantino thinking you're Jason Bourne, like you are like developing wow. yeah. a really solid reputation
0: around Hollywood, dude. I like it. Pretty good. It's pretty good. All right, a reminder. Uh, over on Facebook, we have a community page that you guys can join in. I like over on the community page. People are making recommendations about films that they are watching. Uh, I think they set up, I think Arthur from Chicago set up a Netflix watch party amongst amongst a bunch of blenders and they watched Zodiac. So that's really cool. Um, the, uh, last night I told people to start to watch the director's cut of, um, Dr. Sleep, because of the Flanagan interview. And I saw some people jump on there and say that they were watching it. I was kidding. It wasn't really homework, but I'm glad you guys listened to me. Uh, we are also posting these episodes on Cinema Blend's YouTube page. So if you'd rather stream the show there, head on over there. We did put the Flanagan interview up. That is a uh, turning point for us because it's the first time that we had a video representation of a long interview. And that's not always going to happen because the talent might not want to do it necessarily. Uh, or technology might not allow us to do it. But when we can, we will try to have a video element. With our interviews um, going forward, it's just it's a complicated process, uh, and of course we are available wherever you get your podcasts. The Real Blend store is up and running, and some people are starting to get their packages and post photographs of them wearing their shirts and drinking out of their coffee mugs. So thank you very much. Go to CinemaBlend.com/backslash/shop to find the Real Blend merchandise, and uh, of course the Flanagan interview from earlier this week, is live, both in podcast format, audio format, and in video format. We would love to hear from you guys about what you thought about how that show went. And do us a favor, share that one, because I think a lot of people are finding Dr. Sleep uh, after the fact. I think they're finding it on DVD. I think they're finding it on Blu-ray. Something that Mike said, I'm going to call him Mike, because he ended the show by calling us friends, um, he said that this this past week, or this past 10 days or so, Has felt like the movie finally opening, which that was really eye opening to hear uh, to hear him say that because it didn't it didn't open well (laughs) in November. And I went back and saw in the U.S. it I think it earned thirty one million dollars in the U.S. total. Total? Yeah. And that's kind of what
2: they thought opening weekend
0: was going to be. It's rough. And I know that it was a crowded frame, um, but you're telling me that's a sequel to The Shining. And it it can't do more than... It did 72 million worldwide. I do not I do not know what happened with that film because yeah. it's fantastic. And uh, I know people are checking it out. So I want to thank Mike Flanagan, obviously, for getting on with us and spending as much time as he did. I think he really enjoyed it. Um, he seemed to be really having a good time. So you guys can find that interview in all different formats uh, throughout our various channels. Uh, the weekly poll. This is stunning to me. We did a weekly poll uh, based on Tom Cruise's birthday. And... Tom Cruise um, is a friend of Jake's, drove him around Spain uh, as it was. Uh, we've been lucky to interview him at different places around lucky the globe. you do. when you get Tom Cruise. It's it's not a L.A. Four Seasons interview. It's it's going to be someplace really, really cool. <laughs> um, and so we stole a poll idea from Ashley, who put it up on the Facebook community page. And she asked, what is your favorite decade of Tom Cruise films? 80s, 90s, 2000s and 2010s. And the 80s would be your Top Gun Rain Man era. The 90s would be Mission Impossible, Jerry Maguire. The 2000s is Heavy Spielberg, Minority Report, War of the Worlds, Collateral, when he branched up to Collateral. The 2010s, a lot of sequels, uh, a lot of Mission Impossibles. He did Edge of Tomorrow in there. Um, American-made films like that. Kevin, if you had to choose Mm. which decade, and I'm going to tell you that they're all relatively close but of the eighties, nineties, two thousands, and twenty tens, which one do you think people chose as the favorite decade of Tom Cruise films?
1: May, may I give my favorite first? Well, of course, script? yes, I would love to hear um, your favorite. He doesn't well, care favorite. what we think, Kevin. <laughs> this is this is I know. I know. I I, 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 I go to sleep every night knowing that and reminding oh, myself. Oh no,
0: that, that's I'm no, so kidding. <laughs> I'm Totally kidding.
1: That's, I take a joke too far. I want um, all no, of us
0: but... to. I want all of us to give our picks. Actually.
1: All right, well, for me, I, I, the, early two, the 2000s specifically, I would go because Minority Report and uh, obviously War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds, I think, is a super underrated Spielberg film. I just got the 4K. It came in the mail today. I was just watching that that scene prior to coming down to do our show where he's running through the streets as people are being zapped in the beginning. We had that epic camera shot as it goes into the camcorder, um, though. That's my particular favorite decade of Tom Cruise. And I know I'm not a huge Days of Thunder Top Gun fans so I probably wouldn't have gone towards the 80s, 90s. Obviously, there's some great things in there as well. Love Jerry Maguire. If I had to guess what our audience chose as, the, as their favorite decade. Right. It's interesting because I feel like people love Top Gun Days of Thunder, but I'm going to argue people went with 2000s. 2000s
0: got the least amount of views oh, okay. uh, or, or votes. 17.2 percent. Jake, I'm going to ask you then what your pick would be, and maybe we'll build towards wh- uh, what our audience picked as the best. Uh, decade of Tom Cruise films?
2: My pick would be the 90s because I feel like that's when Tom Cruise turned in his best performances. Um, mm-hmm. I think Tom Cruise and Jerry Maguire and Tom Cruise and, uh, and Magnolia. Like right. there's, that, there's a, that couple of year stretch where like that dude wanted to win an Oscar and he wanted to win one in a big bad way and he yeah, was yeah. taking yeah. the kind of roles that could have won. I mean, they got him nominations that could have won him Oscars. I love that stretch of Tom Cruise and as much as I enjoy the Mission Impossible films, I wish he would sort of get back to that. I right. guess the idea being he's he's doing the Mission Impossible films while he can, and he knows he'll always be able to go back to the serious dramatic roles. That being said, True. I feel like when most people think of Tom Cruise in the realm of pop culture, they think of '80s Tom Cruise. I think of him mm-hmm. sliding in his underwear and risky business, and they think of Top Gun, and you know. Um, so I think our audience probably chose '80s because in the pinnacle of like who Tom Cruise is, yeah. I think pop culture forces out that image of of '80s Tom Cruise.
1: Now, okay. I, I don't know the answer to this, but based on Sean's reaction to what Jake just said, I think the
0: 90s might have won. The 90s came close. Oh. 29.1%. The 80s, which is what I would choose, got 23.2%, which means that the winner was 2010 Tom really? Cruise. Yes. That's, this is all genuine me. reactions. We did yeah. not, I did not know the yeah. how and that poll ended And let me tell you up. why uh, the audience is really wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Because> <laughs> let me tell you why you're wrong
0: okay now wait wait did you're you just mission quote impossible. yourself
1: what you just quoted yourself to tarantino did let, I, me yeah. you let me tell you what tell me you, why i'm let me wrong tell you why you're...
0: <laughs> yes it's the kill bill argument okay so you do have two great mission impossible movies in ghost protocol and fallout um rock of ages 2012 Stacey jacks you have a good jack reacher film the one directed by christopher McQuarrie, <laughs> and then you have a bad jack reacher film the one not directed by Christopher McQuarrie. This is all in the yeah. 2010s. Yeah. I don't even
2: like... Th- I, don't, I don't like either Jack Reacher films, to be honest. Yeah. You same. do
0: have Edge of Tomorrow. Very oh, good I love film. Edge, Yeah, love Edge of Tomorrow. And you do have Oblivion, which I liked but don't love. But then you have The Mummy. 2017. And American made, which is good, but... You know... A lot of sequels. I, I still see a lot of sequels here. It's the, the only decade
2: where it really, really seems like he's concerned with what the box office for his films is going to be.
0: Maybe, but I'm going to, I would have picked the eighties because the eighties to me, a well, first of all, I, the outsiders is tremendous. Not really a Tom Cruise movie, but the outsiders is tremendous. Risky business. Unbelievable. Um, he was in legend. Top gun was huge. Color of money. He's working with yeah. Scorsese alongside Paul Newman, cocktail signature movie for him i think probably my favorite movie of his rain man 1988 so damn good
2: rain that's rain a man. that is a damn that's that's when you list him out like that and then born on the fourth of july
0: to close out the decade
1: 1989 yeah, arguably his best performance born on the fourth of july is the best performance of cruises career uh, from board. an emotional what's your favorite, standpoint what's your favorite cruise performance my favorite cruise performance is probably tropic thunder Oh, I, or magnolia is so
2: great see I, i'm a, I'm a collateral guy i love him as that cold calculated mysterious yeah. killer
1: in the gray suit oh i think that's i think i love I, that movie so much i love collateral but michael mann ruined that film in my opinion by shooting it digitally i know it, looks, did, it, it, looks, it looks like that. a video it <laughs> looks like a video that someone captured on a on a camcorder it does it does not look like a movie jake Sorry. gives me love, hope I, yeah
0: Jake gives me hope when he says that that Cruz is doing these action movies now because after a while he won't be able to. And that later on in the in the third half of his career, he's been yeah. doing it forever, that we might get more of those character driven uh, dramatic roles because he's capable of that. And I miss yeah. that so much. Um, yeah, I, I want to see him doing a lot more of that. And uh, but you're right. But he's 58. He, his birthday was 58. That's astounding to me because he looks incredible um, and is still and doing. It, and in case
2: if you ever want to know like when Tom Cruise's birthday is and, and I only laugh at this because I, I, I may have been the first one of the day to do it. I every person who's ever interviewed him <laughs> post a picture with Tom Cruise on his birthday.
3: Because also like
2: uh, his birthday is July 3rd in terms of like the world of social media. It's the day before 4th of July. There's not a ton of stuff going on. We're all looking for like some sort of content to post on social media. And so the first time anyone posts like a picture of Tom Cruise, I think I saw Scott Mance do it. It was a buddy of all of ours. I think I saw him post a picture and then i went like, Oh, I have a picture of Tom Cruise too. (laughs) And I think think it was just like all day long. It was just a wave of people posting pictures with Tom Cruise, which I just thought was the funniest thing.
0: Well, Tom Cruise is not in Palm Springs. Um, but Andy Sandberg is, and uh, we didn't get Andy for the show, <laughs> but we did get uh, the director, Mark, Mark, Max. I can't. So I've been reviewing Palm Springs on the YouTube channel, and every time I try to talk about the director, I call him Mark, and I have no idea why. His name is Max. His name is Max Barbacow, and like four different times, I was like, Mark, Mark Barbacow, Barbacow. and they were like, his name's Max. And so here I am on the podcast now, live, as we're doing it uh, during the show, and I'm like, the director, Mark, not named Mark. <laughs> His name's Max. (laughs) Anyway, Max. uh,
2: Somewhere out there right now, Sam Mendes is going like, oh, I can relate. I understand.
0: (laughs) And his co-writer, Andy Sierra, who they came up with a concept for Palm Springs. And this is a really fun interview because uh, they hadn't done a whole hell of a lot of press leading up into this. It's a delicate movie to talk about because there's a lot of great secrets in it. Um, It's out there now, now, man. It is. It's out there. I know. And it's in the trailer. And I understand all that. Sean. Sean. The evolution of this—I just want to mention this, Kev. The evolution of it is like it. It when it started, it wasn't even a wedding. Like it, it's, it was at Palm Springs, and it had some some elements of what you see. But the way that they talk about the writing process of this, I found really fascinating. And so uh, I think this is a fun interview. Yes, Kev. I'm sorry.
1: No, I just wanted to say we took a really deep dive into dog shit in this in this in this interview, <laughs> and I really want to. Yes. I really want people to understand that we mm-hmm. that it's a very serious conversation. No, and we take dog shit very seriously on the show. Jake, and we, you, it,
0: it, you'll it's be important. surprised. You'll be you would be surprised that that we brought that up as a topic. Kev, well, Kevin, Kevin brought it up as a topic and I got behind him, but it, but it really dove into how the director was adopted and he met yeah. with his birth mom and it, it went way deeper than you would assume because bo- of dog shit. A boy watering dog shit. Yeah. So listen, that's the best tease we can give you. Enjoy our interview with Max Barbacow and writer Andy Sierra, uh, responsible for Palm Springs coming to Hulu. All right, guys, um, I'm Sean. That's Kevin. Uh, we're with the Real Blend podcast. And um, as Kevin was mentioning, we're just huge fans of the movie. It really blew us away. Uh, we have one other co-host, Jake Hamilton, who couldn't be with us today. And it was really funny. He he was um, watching it, by uh, catching it beforehand, and... I don't want to admit this. It's kind of throwing him under the bus, but he was texting us, kind of through it, and he was like, "Hey, this is really good, you know." (laughs) And then, like, like twenty minutes later, go by, and he goes. This is, I'm really fucking into this movie, <laughs> so yeah. uh, he was really hyping us up for it, and uh, and it really. Lived and then he watched
1: it again me. without texting. By the way, uh-huh. he watched it twice. That's how much uh, he loved it. Which there means he probably out. hated it the second time. Or You're bailing him that.
0: out. <laughs> oh, there's so that. many
5: holes in this thing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we will get to a point in the show where we're where we've already set it up, and we'll throw it to you guys. So we're just going to basically launch right into the interview and yeah. just sort of pick it up from there. Cool. So uh, I will start here. The premise is such that you guys almost could have set this up to be anywhere and the location could have freed you up to play within some wildly different sandboxes, Um, New York City, Washington, D.C., places like that, where uh, the the idea that you guys introduced could have had a lot of fun. So I'm just curious, why Palm Springs? Like, when did you come up with the idea of setting it there? And uh, were there reasons that that sort of fed into the things that you wanted to do while you were there?
6: Um, I mean, the (laughs) the movie started, like, you know, five years ago when – Max and I first started talking about this um, when we knew we wanted to make this first movie together. Uh, something very a low budget, contained kind of movie. And we're both Southern California kids. Been going to Palm Springs our entire life. Have watched the the place change over the past thirty years. And I don't know. We're just I just we're fans of the desert. Um, and so five years ago, whatever, maybe this weekend or this past weekend, we went out and had a little lost weekend in Palm Springs. Um, talked about what we what this this movie could be uh and it was not a rom-com not a time loop movie not a wedding movie uh it was some kind of existential soul-searching uh piece and we left that weekend knowing okay for sure somewhere in palm springs let's set it and for sure we have we have the beginnings of this character niles and then from that point on we just kind of just through conversation built this character um and let almost let the movie shape around that initially okay, so,
0: okay oh that's really interesting then how it came together it changed completely from where you guys yeah. started with it
6: yeah you know, it um, was always totally in that same world but it was a. Uh, I mean we joke about it it was more of like a our version of leaving Las Vegas in the beginning <laughs> <laughs>
0: It yeah, is I'm not interested. what we watched. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's so good. Um, I'm very interested in the filmmaking about the wake-ups um, and the close-ups on the eyes and how you were able to kind of execute those. Would you just do a day of shooting of all the different wake-ups and the different <laughs> emotions? I was talking to Andy about it today, just specifically about, like, you had to, like, basically they had to lay there, right, and kind of, like, have the close-up on their eye and wake up in some emotion. How did those scenes get shot? Was it all done, like, in a very timely manner, I guess?
5: Yeah, I I spent way too much time shooting that stuff. It's like this, we did, I remember that was the the top of the first day. Uh we did all of Kristen's wakeups and it was like, oh, cool. I'm getting such good stuff. This is genius. This is like <laughs> the most beautiful, beautiful shot of an eyeball opening. And then it's like by the end of the day, of course, you're chasing the, the clock because you spent so much time shooting eyeballs. But yeah, we like we we block shot kind of like every every location. Um for every moment that took place in that location, um, which was, um, it was challenging, but also just was like super fun because all we we had shotlisted the movie, and there were a lot of subtle different things we were doing with the camera to evoke where the characters were at different times um, in their timelines. Um, and it was kind of I know every actor likes to work different, but Andy specifically loves to do um, loves to do a series takes where you just jump in and out and try different versions of stuff. So it was especially when. Certain scenes called for that. It was super fun. It was kind of like charades or something like that. It's like, now we're here. You know, let's do it this way.
1: And Meredith's um, whisper of wake up, like that wake up she does. Uh, Is that literally looped the same one the entire movie or did you do different ones?
5: We did it. We recorded all kinds of different takes or versions of that. And then we chose one and it's the same wake up every time. And the eyes, the eyes are are, uh, pretty much the same too, I think.
0: Yeah. Did you guys cool. have a math equation in your head about how many times you could come back to the situation before it felt like repetitive or, or wasn't moving it through? Did you? How much thought went into that process? I'm curious.
6: I mean, to be honest, like I, I want to I, I could be wrong, but in, in the script we tried at least to never return to the same exact scene. Um, mm. I know like it's, you, you kind of have to at a certain, there are certain scenes that do repeat, but mm. with the exception of the wake up and seeing eyes, eyes waking up, like um, there's not many repeated scenes in that sense. Uh, Cause we're, cause especially in the beginning, like Andy, Andy's character obviously has, has done this dance a million times. Um, he already knows his way through it, but we don't see any of that. We only see when it's like, he's, he's, he's ready to do it for us in a way.
0: Mm. Uh, I'm really curious about how precious you guys are at protecting the gimmick. Um, Is it important that people go into it as clean as possible? Um, Because I will say our friend Jake, who was pre-watching it before we got to it, said, stay away from the trailer. Like, don't watch anything (laughs) about it. And oddly enough, that was like the day before your most recent trailer broke. And so I was like, okay, cool. I'm not going to watch it at all. And then like most of the headlines for people covering it um, on different sites were like Andy Samberg's raunchy Groundhog Day movie. And I was like, don't, yeah. don't, I don't even want to know that. So like how precious are you guys in terms of protecting it from people before they even go in? Or did you just sort of accept like there's no way to market a movie without giving something away? And so, you know, we're going to get people in this way.
5: Super glad that we had the the Sundance experience where people everybody went in blind and it was very fun to do press that day and keep the premise from from press, which essentially turned into Andy and Kristen kind of goofing around and, and the chemistry on display as being kind of like this is what the movie is, even though you don't yeah. know what it's about. You know that yeah. I'm glad we had that experience and it would have been. I love just seeing stuff blind generally i know there's no real way now with these headlines about it being groundhog day has to do that but um yeah i mean i, I think when it came down to it it was just gonna be really hard to market a movie um especially in a trade in, in a trailer sense without kind of playing that hand
0: Did, oh you no know what i do love about that though is even if people kind of know that it's a groundhog day thing you started at a place where it's you know it's not Bill Murray kind of figuring out what's going on to him, you know, yeah. which, which I find really intriguing. So I thought that was really refreshing when when at least, because this first few minutes of the film, so it, it's it's made someone aware. Yeah,
5: that was just always something going ones. on in it, uh, aside from the time that like, you know, hopefully people get off on that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were you saying, Andy? Sorry.
6: Uh, just like, you know, that we we never wanted to see Andy trying to get through this day. Uh, like it was. This is a, a sequel to a movie that doesn't exist. Um, it's a, like there's a whole other movie that could exist of when when Andy's character first gets stuck in the loop.
5: Yeah. Um,
6: but but far smarter people have uh, already. Done that movie. And so, like, what, what is the new thing we can we can kind of do with this this kind of great
0: device? Um, when you guys choreograph his his wedding dance around the different people, that's <laughs> one of the funniest scenes, right off the Yeah, end. It's a great way to lead people into it. So there's
1: some great physical comedy with the chair and everything. And, and that's one thing I wanted to ask, kind of following up on Sean's question. And we did the virtual junket today, and I was talking to Andy about this, um, about being a producer and him and Akiva and Yorma um and how much say they had in what went into the trailer. And that was, I found it to be interesting because Andy was talking about how he saw different versions of the trailer and gave different um, perceptions on what he kind of wanted in there and what he didn't want in there. So I'm interested from your perspective, how you played a role in what went in the trailer and what didn't go in the trailer. And what, what are some things that like now that we've seen the movie that you just didn't think needed to be in there or, and are there things still in there that you kind of like, I wish we didn't put that in there.
5: They, uh, they took out most of the same, I mean, our, our tastes were kind of aligned and that's what made the movie really fun to make with them too. Like we were always kind of seeing the same movie. And I think that probably stems from the fact of like how influential they were without us even realizing it on us when we started to make stuff, <laughs> the, the, yeah. that being the Lonely Island. But there just was more, more explosions, more exposition, you know, more, more like fun stuff that you would want to experience when it comes out of nowhere. And they were, they were pretty good about taking that stuff out cool
6: yeah yeah I, I i agree uh and i think that you know i think audiences people know whether to watch a trailer or not they, they know that trailers kind of give away a lot and it's up to them to decide whether to watch it or not uh yeah and i i, I personally I, I didn't see the trailer for parasite before i saw parasite it had made for like a far probably a far better viewing experience yes. but not but other people i mean i also grew up watching coming attractions on e and i love that and so tra- trailers are important uh and i i think it's a I think we have a cool trailer, but I don't know.
1: (laughs) It's so, it is an interesting thing because like, I don't avoid trailers, but I avoided this one because people said that you should go in blind. And I'm happy that I did because one of the best experiences I've had in, in a film this year was on the couch last night with my wife. And for that period of time where you don't know what's going on and that beautiful moment where your brain starts to click it, I find that to be a beautiful thing as a filmmaker because you're essentially we become collaborators with you. We're we're like we're, we're kind of coming into the experience. And I felt like you never you never came in and grabbed me and pulled me. You actually like like I walked with it, which was I thought was kind of a cool thing. I felt that I was I felt like the film didn't treat me like I was stupid. I I found that to be really yes. interesting. So <laughs> yeah, I, I, t- I wanted to say that. So I, mean, thank I think you. that
6: we, we both right. have we, we all a great respect for audiences. I think audiences are very yeah. smart. And so it's a uh, thing cool. Things don't need to necessarily be spelled out in the way that maybe they once were, because we, we all consume so much. Yep. yep. So
0: um, knowing what the premise is and knowing what the concept is and knowing that you're always going to get a chance to um, reset. And here you have a character, a main protagonist, who's been through the loop many, many times. Um, I'm curious if you guys cooked up any other scenarios or went through some really obscure or, or really offbeat scenarios that you wanted to film to get in? Cause we get to see some of the things that Andy's been through and some of them are really off the wall <laughs> and, and and most of them are really, really funny, but I'm just curious if you guys were throwing stuff against the wall saying, what if we saw him do this? Or what if we tried to, to shoot something else?
6: <laughs> that, there were definitely conversations, like, especially in the, or those first Couple of years where it was just me and Max, like just trying to entertain each other, and there were many ideas in those earlier days that went outside of Palm Springs. Like, I, I, I remember there was something about like actually being on that airplane to uh, Equatorial, Equatorial Guinea. Guinea. Uh, yeah. yeah.
1: Oh, really? But, <laughs> that's my favorite line in the movie. That was such a <laughs> random line.
6: <laughs> but uh, you know, but budgetary restraints and all that. We wanted to keep. wanted to set some rules for ourselves. So, like, just keeping it in in Palm Springs with the exception of the one scene where we're in Austin on that drive. But yeah, uh, I don't know, there, 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 was, there was various, there was a big casino sequence at one point. Um, was there really? Yeah, that yeah. I, you know, just, it's just
1: doing a, a small movie, a small budget movie we have to, you know, can't have it all. Yeah, and on, on a filmmaking note, by the way, that drive to Austin, like another thing you guys did well is I felt her exhaustion, like the way you shot her from above as she like closes her eyes. I thought that was a really cool like shot. So um, one thing I thought was interesting, and this is not, this is gonna sound like a joke, but I mean it sincerely. Oh, he means um, this. I've never <laughs> thought I would care more about somebody watering dog shit in my life <laughs> than I did, and, and and I say that completely seriously. I'll tell you why. That entire sequence with J.K. Simmons is so brilliant because the the perspective that you think about from thinking about him not being able to be there for his family um, is so interesting to me that, and then you start completely changing your perspective on life and your priorities. And I just wanted to ask you about that specific element, literally watering dog shit, where it actually was an emotional thing for me as an audience member, I'm like, damn. Like that really hit me. And, 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 I know it sounds weird, but it did. Is you know what I mean? I know it sounds strange.
0: I a... <laughs> Mission accomplished boys.
6: <laughs> uh, yeah, hey, thank, thank you. Uh, little Joey is named after my older brother
1: too. <laughs> oh really? That's, yeah, that's cool. Um, but how do you make something like that emotional? Like, how do you do that? I mean, that's such an interesting can, thing.
5: The, the, I had a very poignant moment where I'm, I'm adopted and I, I met my birth father at some point point. Um, and was, we were hanging out in his backyard and he had a, a little son who looked like I did at that age. And I just remember he was running around and we were having this conversation kind of, it wasn't as profound as the one that Niles were having, but the kid was just running around watering dog shit. Um, <laughs> and I just found that he'd like point to it and just water it. He's younger than Joey in the movie, but I just, I, that's always something where I'm like that it's, it's a it's one of those striking memories that you have in life so it, there really wasn't much thought put into it other than like this is a long conversation and like this happened to me and like that that's how it went in the movie but the conversation is um that's
1: yeah it grounds the moment it, it, in yeah. a weird way that's what like, that you know, does yeah. exactly like it, it like the whole perspective of that moment and you guys know this you were voting director of the film but you know that what he's saying is we, we we are so there's so much going on in our heads and our minds and our lives that we forget to focus on the small things that matter and while that is a completely ridiculous thing that we're talking about it's a little thing that he latches on to and i just thought that was such an emotional pull and I didn't think to feel that way about. It. I'm not. I'm, I'm not joking. I found no. It really I, love it. I love
6: it. I love mean, it. I think that. I, I think it. that's great. That that speaks to like that yeah. scene in particular was that was Roy was the last element, last character added to this. Like we were those missing puzzle, missing piece of the puzzle. We did that, and that that Irvine speech was the thing that changed probably the least once that went in there for the first time um, to the final thing. Is that like that's kind of our thematic statement in a way in the movie yeah. Um, and this our mine and max's guiding light from the beginning was always having uh, one foot on the banana peel and the other in the grave so you can go from like slapstick moments to yeah. to very like serious uh, gut punches and i think that yeah. in particular it's a very it's kind of a serious speech and so therefore like yeah. having little joey watering dog shit uh it, it helps like remind like yeah. uh, like find, finding these moments where you can pull pull back so so then like you can you can hear him give a line like you got to find your Irvine and it should feel like on the one side cheesy, but on the other side, like you get it too.
0: Oh, yep. that is such a Southern California line also. Yeah,
6: yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I grew up in Orange County. I went to, I went to UC Irvine. And <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been struggling with this like, do I hate it or do I it's, do? Am I thankful for it? Yeah.
0: But it, that's yeah. I mean, it's such a key term, you know. Find your Irvine means so much. I've never heard that before. In until that moment. this movie. Yeah, I've never no. Heard that before. Why would you? <laughs> Why would you up to that point? But I also I want to admire even too what Kevin's saying in that scene is you guys don't forget in in those moments though that you're making a comedy. So even when, you know, Simmons essentially says, eh, I think it's time for you to leave kind of thing or, and you cut over to the wife, you know, peeking through the, through the blinds, it's still a funny moment and you have 90 something minutes, you know, you guys don't forget to like, cause sometimes you're watching these comedies and you detour too far deep into an emotion. And then you kind of ask yourself, like, what am I watching here? Like, is this still a, a comedy sort of thing? So I admire you guys very much for keeping the tone of it uh, consistent mm. all the way through. Um, I want to—I didn't know I was going to detour into this, but I want to get into just getting J.K. Simmons and and being <laughs> able to, to have him carry this really difficult character uh, who, you know, his motivations throughout it are a huge mystery. And then you get to the point where you film uh, the Roy scenes and, and partying with Roy and if you don't tub. get if you don't get the right actor, that that through line can go off the rails. So can mm-hmm. you talk about getting him for that and and him being just game to play everything that comes with Roy?
5: I think it was. Uh, I mean, I'm a huge fan. We still quote um, "I love you, man," um, and uh, Hank Mardukas um, from uh, the movie that Andy and him did together. And I think they're they're buds, and I think it was a simple. You know, he's, he's perfect. For Roy, we never, we didn't really write that with anyone in particular in mind. But once Andy made that call and he said, yes, I'll do it. It was like, you know, it was obviously perfect. And he, we had him for a week. He came in, he had so many great ideas. He elevated that role um, beyond our expectations even. And he just, he, I think he really enjoyed playing around with his, with his old friend, Andy Sandberg. And we, we uh, loved seeing him. Terrorize him. I mean, he waterboarded Andy (laughs) for real in in that garage. Yeah, yeah. He's like telling us insane stories about um, insanely cool stories, just about his career throughout. I don't know if you remember that Andy J.K. Just like telling us stories about being on Broadway, Hmm. doing like a few Good Men, and being like one second, and then just going in like waterboarding uh, Sandberg, (laughs) like in a a very safe way, and then like um, it's a wrap. Like wrap on J.K. It's beautiful.
4: Oh Um, my
0: (laughs) gosh. When well, did, so, so when did you shoot that scene with them? That's at the end. Was that shot pretty we early We on? shot
5: we shot all of that at the wedding. We shot like we we shot everything in that wedding world in one week. Okay, so, and that was kind of I think our oh second, maybe it was our first week during the movie. Yeah. yeah, we shot the movie in 21 days.
1: It was really yeah, Camilla did so, one week. She said, "I'm like, what the heck?" Yeah,
5: yeah, yeah, yeah. We it was it was madness. <clears throat> People were kind of coming in and coming out, and it was like shoot here here there there there. We got to wrap her, but um, it was we shot all of JK's stuff. Uh, at the wedding, I think in like a couple nights. Kev, can I just go with a follow-up? I'm
0: sorry. Yeah, had, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. I, had to, I had to
1: take a follow-up too, yeah.
0: That's terrifying if you need something again later. Like how, oh, yeah. how do you, how are you, are you like looking at the, the dailies like that much and knowing, okay, we actually got it because you have to concentrate on wedding scenes and get them all in that moment?
5: yeah no you're looking at stuff and then you're the next day you come back and i mean there was inevitably at the end of each location that we were picking stuff up left and right and then at our last day on the movie we were um we had a running list just of like bonus stuff that we wanted to pick up of like inserts obviously and like okay. we had sarah's car there was stuff there that on a random location that we would go in and get but yeah it's 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 movie making that's awesome <laughs> you
1: Two quick Lonely Island things that I thought were uh, that I was wondering if they were Lonely Island things and or not. The I'm an adult Ted is that and I'm an adult reference to like the Lonely Island song, or is that just happened to be a coincidence?
6: It, <laughs> it's funny. Like my my wife would <laughs> always say that to me, like uh, like I, like playfully, but I think but she got it from Lonely Island. I think <laughs> the reason the reason that that came that came in the movie was like part of that is me. Ted is the name of my dad uh is the name of my dad my dad's name Uh, um and his name's actually Thaddeus and uh that's the name of the bartender Thaddeus but he goes by Ted and so like part of that's (laughs) me like saying you know I'm an adult Thaddeus uh Uh. (laughs) and but it's probably inspired by my my wife who who was inspired by Lonely Island so it really just came all full circle
1: and then the other one question I wanted to ask was because I'm a big Hot Rod and Pop Star fan. I mean, I've, I've seen Pop Star probably 20 times, um, but Hot Rod specifically, the reason I wanted to bring that up was the relationship that Andy has with JK in this film kind of reminded me a little bit of the playful tonality <laughs> that he had with Ian McShane in yeah. Hot Rod. And I was just wondering, like I was watching Andy with JK Simmons. I'm like, man, he's really great with like these, these actors who have been in the business for a long time. And not that the movies are similar or it felt similar. There was like some music beats that felt like the Hot Rod music uh, at at times, but like, you know, in a perfect way, in a Lonely Island way that kind of like sprinkled that in there for the fans. Um, But I was wondering if that was something you kind of put together that it was kind of like that McShane relationship almost uh, a little bit in that fight scene they have in Hot Rod, kind of like the scene in the bathtub with JK.
5: (laughs) It was, it was conceived like before, you know, the, the Roy Niles dynamic before like either of them were kind of cast, but, um, I mean, once, once JK came on board, it kind of, I could, I could definitely see the similarities. We just got, we got lucky in that way. Um, that, mm-hmm. not the specific personas weren't, um, weren't aligned, but like the energy we yeah. definitely strove for something similar for sure between Niles and Roy, like a, a kind of crazy paternal, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. You know, one thing I'm actually interested in knowing is I like the way you shot the um, earthquake sequences. Um, And there was a bit, I think there was a shot earlier on in the film where you set up that those earthquakes are going to come and it's going to open up what we see eventually. But then there's this really cool shot where you actually cut to almost a shaky shot before the earthquake happens to indicate that the earthquake's about to come. And I found that to be an interesting filmmaking tool. It's almost like you like put us on a horizon kind of shaky a little bit to prepare us for that moment. Is that a conscious decision to like get the audience ready for the earthquake? Or is that something I'm just kind of reading into?
5: no that's just that's totally conscious whatever we cool. could do to sell the, the idea of an earthquake yeah. and and i they did a great job with the fx too of like the dust kind of rising which yeah. is something that you don't immediately think of um when you think about an earthquake you think about like the earth splitting or just like you know things falling but it, it's i mean we, while we were cutting this movie too i feel like it was the summer of like three earthquakes that were like Six, wow. six magnitude and up, and it was like, are we living this moment? Now we're really living this moment, living the same day over and over again. But yeah, that was that was all storyboarded.
1: And then another question I had was, um, when when Andy Samberg the, the first time he actually takes the arrow in the back, um, <laughs> you don't show us blood for a little while, um, after the two shots are hit. So my first indication was, without knowing what the plot was, that it was like some kind of game he was playing with a friend. And I was wondering if that was also an intentional choice because you show the blood later on his leg. I looked for it specifically. I'm like, is he actually injured or is he really like just playing around with this guy? Is Were you intending on us wanting to think that, that it was a game versus an actual violent act at first?
5: You were intending for it to be ambiguous in that you weren't quite sure what was going on. Like the comedy, mm-hmm. I think, and that comes from like what he's, he just got sniped (laughs) with an arrow Right, used to it in some way. And 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 it seems to be part of a routine. Like, is it a bruise? Is it not? He seems to know the assassin. Like she seems scared. This isn't some like weird sexual, like role play thing that's going on for both of them that we don't know about. So yeah, it's supposed to be a little, a little confusing. And again, just like we're kind of respecting the viewer or just chasing, chasing a, an amused laugh or just like, so I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm into this movie now. Buckle, yeah. buckle your seatbelts. It was always supposed to be, kind of be that moment where it's like, okay, now I'm in it, you know, like this is, this movie is not what I thought it was going to be.
1: Yeah. That's the journey. Like that's where you start going on the journey. You're like, what? Yeah. yeah. And, you're, and you yeah. go with them. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> up to that point. You're
5: like, Oh, I've seen this. This is a wedding, you know, this is some yeah. sort of wedding movie. There's, you know, it's a, it's a romance and then, you know, it, it becomes something wildly different, which is kind of what we tried to do throughout, you know, just kind of shoot them with, so, you know whatever version of the arrow is every kind of 10 oh, or
0: so. So like, the moment when the bride falls on her teeth was so <laughs> oh my awful. god so god, awful. No. and i have a i have a tooth thing <laughs> so <Yeah>. anyway <laughs> that was kind of the arrow <laughs>
5: both are, are amazing just to watch with an audience it just is like you the the, the gasps are very <laughs> Very real, even if you know it's coming. All right. Know. Before
0: we run out of time, I think we have time for one more. And I want to ask you guys specifically about that because I I I, I hate that the fact that you guys are not going to get a chance to watch this with a crowd, you know, with the way that everything sort of played out. You're coming off of Sundance and it was a tremendous win for you guys there. But but I think it's really cool being on streaming and that people get the opportunity to go back and rewatch it right away. It's, yeah. it's one of those films that once it ended, I kind of wanted to go back and say, okay, cool. Cause I just, we love on this show, obviously talking about how the sausage gets made. And I wanted to go back and start to pick apart, like what you guys did is, do you think that that's a, uh, an added upside to being on a streaming service is being able to have people go back and, and dive right back into it?
6: Yeah. And it I, we we got a, At Sundance, we gotta see it with the crowd. So I think we're both very, very thankful for that too. Mm Uh and I think we lucked out with a really cool deal with um a a very forward thinking deal with uh with Neon and Hulu in that partnership. And you know, it's it's the state of the world now and you have to adapt and it's not like we're (laughs) it's not like it's just falling on us, it's falling on every movie. And so um I'm I'm happy that people, I mean, I'm, I'm being a, i am i being a have having a two year old and a, and another baby on the way in a, I'm, I watch most of my movies at home anyway now. Uh, and I think a lot of people do. Um, I, I would love, I would love at some point for this to still go out and be in theaters for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I don't want to ever put anyone at risk. So.
0: Yeah. I can't imagine the, uh, every week we get on the show and we talk about things that have been pushed back, you know, and what's been delayed and, and I, I wouldn't imagine just filmmakers wanting to be stuck in that. You know, I'm glad that you guys are being able to finally bring the the film to audience. And we
1: love this movie so much. We really do. Thank you, we guys. Really yeah. We really do. We really do. A lot of fun. So <laughs> damn good, man. Yeah.
0: So we're out of time. Max and Andy, thank you guys so much uh, for thank coming you. on and talking about Palm Springs. And uh, congratulations. Continued success with the film. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank Obviously, we want to thank Hulu for getting those guys on the line with us. Uh, Check out Palm Springs. Jakey was raving about it. Obviously, it's one of his favorite films of the year. And now you guys will get to see why it comes to um, Hulu starting on Friday, July 10th. Um, Let's get to talking points. A couple of trailers that dropped that we want to dive into, starting with uh, David Ayer's new film, The Tax Collector. And I'm going to say this about David Ayer. When I see his films, whether it's End of Watch or even Bright, which had uh, an alien element to it, but still felt like he does these LA, stri- like streets of LA crime feel to them. And while I know that's what he does, I still watched the tax collector trailer and thought it looked really badass. <laughs> I mean, it looks like a, a I was going to say Serpago, but it's not Serpago. I'm, I'm thinking of Scarface, like a Scarface, but set in LA. Jake, you're making a face. You don't, you're not impressed? I, th- I think
2: they're all starting to really feel oh, like the same. You. And here's the thing. Not only are they all starting to feel like the same thing. Yeah. He's in in, in that realm of like the gritty world of L.A. Right. The best he's ever going to put out, he already did. He's not going to top training day. And I know he didn't direct training day, but he wrote training day. Okay. And I feel like that's as good as that world from his mind is going to get. And I kind of just start to feel like he's just doing the same. Still like, like all of his movies could take place within a block of each other, you know, like okay. I, I could see, you know, I could see, you know, Ethan Hawke and and Denzel driving by, uh, Shia and, 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 and yeah, and then, yeah, Pina. and Hall and, and Pena going this way, and then they're talking about an alternate world where one of them was a troll or so, you know, like I, I, I they're, they're, to me, it's just like <laughs> I, I'm no longer excited when one of his movies come out anymore. To me, they're all just they they're just a blur. Like, yeah, like if you're gonna it. describe like his movies, what are you gonna say? Like, oh, it's the one with the cops in L.A. Or no, it's the one with the bad guys in LA. They go against all right. the
0: cops. Okay, all right. I mean, that's not that's a fair criticism. I understand where you're coming from. Um, I was a I was intrigued by Shia playing this this heavy role. Uh, you're right. It it looks like it's in an environment that we've seen somewhere before. But but remember when he did this with uh, DC superheroes though? There was one with DC superheroes uh, on the streets of what looked like a crime-ridden Los Angeles. Los Angeles Suicide Squad by all the by all the Davis Blood. Kev, you liked it. You thought it looked
1: good. I thought the trailer was amazing Uh, for me. It was uh, it was like a I guess the warm blanket would be used here. Like it felt like he was returning to his really great style of filmmaking. Suicide Mm -hmm. Squad to me was a uh, you could as you can tell on social media was a really bad experience Mm for him. Um, And I think that uh, for him. You know, you got to think about filmmakers who have a film that comes out of that size that ends up failing. And now no, we're not talking about box office. We're just talking about from a critical standpoint, from a fan standpoint. Suicide Squad did really well, but and so did Last Jedi. But there are films that I feel like were just really they 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 they, they hit fans in a very divisive way. And for Ryan Johnson to come back with something like Knives Out and for, you know, Knives Out, you know, that there's a lot of old school Ryan Johnson really kind of integrated into that film. It was kind of, you know, it was different, but it still had Ryan's feel of a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that David Ayer returning to something like this, I think it's a great jump back into him becoming that great filmmaker again. And I think that he maybe needs a film to kind of reset himself because End of Watch is a masterpiece. End of Watch is a phenomenal, phenomenal film. Um, and I obviously his script for training day was brilliant. He, he did street Kings as well. Right. Which I absolutely, did he do Street Kings? Is
0: that Christian Bale? I oh, thought Christian yeah. Bale. Yeah. Was that David sure, Ayer? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's, that's David Ayer. Hmm?
1: I, I love that movie. If it wasn't David Ayer, I apologize, but I think it was. Um, but I do think this trailer really also shows how incredible Shia LaBeouf is as an actor again. I mean, this kid is just incredible. I mean, he, ha- it, the, we obviously loved what he did in peanut butter Falcon, um, but I like him kind of playing this gritty, hardcore role and i think the trailer looks amazing I, I i'm i'm all in but i understand what jake's saying um air is writing and directing very similar types of films in regards to what he uh, didn't he grow up in that area so it's kind of like oh, it yeah. makes sense that uh, that that's kind of what he knows mm-hmm. and yes you want filmmakers to step outside that comfort zone and try different things of course for me as a, as a fan of his work um, it i'm just happy to see him working again and coming back from that element suicide squad was a major major downfall in his career and to get back up again and actually make another movie i'm not saying that the movie relies on the history of what his filmmaking was but as somebody who has been watching his work for years i find it to be like a nice return and maybe it'll jumpstart him back into other films again
0: you're right about street kings i was thinking of harsh times which is the one he did with christian bale uh and And that was shortly after street kings is keanu reeves Keanu Reeves. Yes. And that's, and the, that's also him, right? The, the one movie he made. Yeah, he did do that. He did. And the one movie he made that was out of his comfort zone was Fury, which I thought was I thought it was good. I like Fury. Was the, the excellent. Tanks. I like yeah. Fury. I like mm-hmm. Fury. Fury's good. Yeah. But I, he, I I, do understand what Jake is saying, that, that when David Ayer goes back to this, it feels a little familiar. It feels a little familiar. But hey, listen, he does it well. So that's like
2: that's like uh, like every five years. Uh, Cameron Crowe, you know, it says, I'm going to make a movie about a kid writing for a magazine, but this time it's a different magazine. This All time listen. he's
0: writing for Vogue. If it stops uh, Cameron Crowe from doing his most recent films, I'm okay with that.
2: <laughs> hey, I liked Elizabeth Elizabethtown.
0: That was a long time ago.
2: Well, I it, what else is he? Oh, he did the zoo movie. That's right. Zoo and, and Aloha. I like we bought a zoo. That wasn't no, bad.
0: Aloha was the one he did Aloha that was, was terrible, atrocious. That has some talent that was in it too. That's that really bad talented movie. people, and it just bombed.
2: And that's a good. I don't know if, if you ever saw That's a great trailer. That's such a great trailer for such a bad movie.
0: Yeah,
1: I do. I do think though that when when a filmmaker goes through something like they do with the Last Jedi or a film like Suicide Squad, uh, I'm just impressed that they get back up again. To be yeah. honest with you, I mean that's a really hard thing to do, especially like you know, Damien Chazelle as first man did not do well from a box office standpoint, but he still got back up again to that Netflix show. I mean, like, there, there's, I just find that to be a strong mentality. I mean, mm-hmm. as somebody like I, I, find myself getting crippled a lot by, uh, in my mind by, you know, negativity or whatever, sometimes due to anxiety, and it's hard to get up sometimes and want to be up, but just for a filmmaker to take all that criticism and all that hate online from people for suicide squad and to come back with something this like this I find it impressive, personally.
0: Well, let me mention a, a a young filmmaker named Steven Spielberg, who took a beating after he did a film called 1941. Yeah. <laughs> and if he let that convince him that he wasn't a good director, <laughs> just think of all the films that we would have been robbed of. Sometimes you just got to yeah. put all that past him and and say. And I think a lot of these filmmakers have healthy approaches to just um, like look at Mike Flanagan when he talked about Doctor Sleep. Like you'd never know why something's going to do well or not do well. And sometimes you kind of just chalk it up to outside influences and you move on to tell your next story. So um, the other trailer that dropped this past week was Seth Rogen in a movie that I think was going to theaters and now is making its way to uh, HBO Max, which is called An American Pickle, which um, helped me out. What is it? It it's a, uh, I'm a, it reminds me a little bit of Captain America in the fact that Cap got frozen in the ice, woke up in modern times um, this is a guy who gets fro- who gets dropped into a vat of pickle juice, essentially, and the brine sustains him for almost a hundred years. And he wakes up and has to adapt to modern society. But he has a very distant relative uh, who is helping him adapt, also played by Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen plays both roles. And I guess when I heard the concept of this movie, I thought it was going to be more wacky slapstick. Um, but it seemed like a pretty deep uh, and and emotional. Uh, conversation between these two characters and so i love the fact that this is going to streaming and is going to be available sooner rather than later um i was pretty touched by the trailer i was surprised at where it went jake did you appreciate it yeah
2: yeah i love the trailer i uh, love the premise and you know i i really am loving this world that i feel like we're slowly inching toward where i think we're really starting to appreciate seth rogan as an actor mm-hmm. i thought he was absolutely incredible in steve jobs and i gotta be honest with you like and, and I and I hope this comes across the right way because because obviously I understand that it's him playing both parts, but I'm watching the trailer and I kind of forgot that he's playing both parts because he mm-hmm. plays both of them so well and so you know it's it's not like you know him just showing up and you know talking to himself on camera. He plays both parts so differently and it really seems to it just in the two and a half minute trailer give extra dimensions to both characters that thought sort of about the end I was like oh my god that's right it is actually him playing both. I mean I, obviously I know that he is. But I instantly forget it while watching the trailer, which I think is a testament to his skills. And, um, and I've always thought he was a fantastic, uh, you know, writer and producer. And, and really, I, I'm, I'm, you know, people seem to be responding very positively to this trailer. And if we are entering into a world where people are really appreciating Seth Rogen beyond, you know,
1: we jokes and uh, yeah. <laughs> then then, you know, I'm all about it. Kev? Yeah, I thought the trailer was fantastic. I I, I like the four by three use. It looked like four by three. The aspect ratio used in the er, earlier times. And then it goes to full wide um, as they get into the uh, into the present day. And uh, I think Rogan is a great dramatic actor. As Jake mm-hmm. said, Steve Jobs, like Steve Jobs, that, that performance deserves an Academy Award nomination. It was just truly an amazing performance. Also, w- like watching him go head to head with Fastbender, one of the best actors of our time with Sorkin's dialogue and Boyle's direction. I was like, man, uh, uh, like he and I've always loved him. I, I actually would argue that Knocked Up was a brilliant dramatic performance as well. Um, I think Knocked Up actually really showcases his arc as an actor. Um, I think Knocked Up really kind of like plays into that R-rated like, humor that Jake was referring to. But at the same time, that's a character who has a major arc over a two and a half hour period. And that's not easy to do. That's not easy to calculate. That's not easy to put on film. Um, and so I think dramatically... Uh, I would argue that comedy is harder than drama. So I I feel like if he's already mastered comedy, I don't think drama is that hard for him. Drama is more real than comedy, right? Comedy is really more absurd and more extreme. Uh, I think that now that he's that directors are tapping into that inside of him, he is truly finding his rhythm as an actor. I mean, that trailer, again, I have not seen the film, but like Jake said, like the, the. they're great together, right? Um, mm-hmm. And the performance looks looks incredible. I love the way the film looks. I love the look of it. I also loved Fifty Fifty, another yeah, movie that he I did with, with um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Gordon so yeah. I, I, I just truly feel like Rogan has already, has been showing us these dramatic chops for years. I think Knocked Up might be the best performance of his career so far, next to Steve Jobs. Um, but this looks great. HBO Max, I think it's smart to how they're putting it out and looking forward to seeing it.
0: I gotta point out that the, The line now between movie stars um, and streaming platforms is it's just gone. Yeah. I mean, a Rogan comedy used to go to theaters. Um, You know, I I know theaters are where they're at right now, but just this week alone, Tom Hanks and Charlize Theron have new movies coming to theaters.
4: Dude, Um, last year we uh, got a Scorsese
0: movie with Pacino, De Niro and Pesci. And it went to Netflix. Now it had a theater component to it also, but, you know, like. Only so, only so it could
2: get nominated for Oscars. I I think you take that the Oscars eligibility out of it doesn't go to theaters.
0: And this slippery slope is just—it's as slippery as can be. Like, who's the last one to fall? It would be Cruise, right? If Cruise ever did something that was uh, just produced for television, that would be.
2: And well, Though, though they announced that the Scorsese DiCaprio movie is going to go to Apple, right? So obviously, DiCaprio is is one of the last big
1: ones.
4: Wow, isn't that correct, Kevin? Uh, I don't know huge.
1: if it's is it Apple or Net- you're right. It is. Is it Apple or Netflix? I couldn't I think it, I seem to think it was Apple.
0: I, I can't see Netflix throwing more money at Scorsese. after yeah. Irishman didn't do quite as well for Oscars as they wanted it to. Um, but, you know, Marty wants full cut, you know, and uh, and the ability to to hire who he wants and spend what he wants. And I'm glad and someone's Netflix still wants, giving them the money wants to buy it. best picture soon. They're going to get it someday soon. Um, but, you know, who's not going to get a best picture this year? Disney Plus transitioning to our next topic something that's making me I'm actually sorry, are, are you just angry. discounting
2: the uh the potential of artemis
0: foul yes i i watched artemis foul and i i'm here to tell you that is no best picture winner my
2: friend. <laughs> i know best picture winners and that yes. is no Wait, best picture winner
1: you guys haven't seen my spy yet
0: no no we that's
1: amazon dude
0: did you watch no, that did you watch yeah. it it's good yeah. yeah 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 it was fine it's yeah. fine okay a yeah. uh, variety reports that Hamilton, Hamilton, Lin-Manuel Miranda's blockbuster Broadway show, uh, now a Disney Plus movie, cannot win any Oscars uh, due to eligibility requirements that the Academy uh, put into place many, many years ago. But it has a shot at the Emmys. And here's where I want to start this conversation with just this simple question. Yes or no answer, Kevin. Is the Hamilton that's on Disney Plus a movie or not a movie? It's not a movie. Jake, is it a movie or not a movie?
2: I've been going back and forth on this. Yeah. I think because I love it so, and I was, and I love the idea of it being on my top 10 list, I mm-hmm. was trying to convince myself that the answer was yes. Mm-hmm. But I think deep down in my heart, I actually agree with Kevin. I think it is not a movie.
0: God, I am not there yet. I still think it's a movie. And I don't, but I don't know why. I can't convince myself. Because you
2: want it to be. I really do. How fun would it be if it, I mean, it would be a blast if Hamilton were in the Oscar conversation. But here, it's not fair.
1: Like, that's why they had the Tonys. Here's why you think it's a movie. Every bit of marketing surrounding that Disney plus element was either Hamilton film, Hamilton film. Hamilton movie, movie they did version, version of, for it. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. It, it's because it's being ingrained in our heads as a movie. But in general, it's not a film. I I, I, I don't look at it like that. I look what at it as a documentary
0: Can it be a documentary?
1: No. Like if they had just peppered
0: in a few interviews with the cast in between songs, then maybe. What, Gabe? Yes, Gabe.
3: I, well, I have a question that maybe we'll we'll I still have not seen Hamilton, so I, I don't really know what I'm talking oh, about. God, but. It's look, some stuff came up. It was a hectic weekend. I'll, I'll get to it. But wouldn't you, does it lend itself to a, like an actual film musical adaptation? Uh-huh. Like, does it, I, does it lend? I think someone will inevitably one day. Um, but so wouldn't I you want that so to be the one that goes up for an Oscar? If it's good. I mean, assuming I, I just, if the writing
1: I, is what it is. I think what's happening, Gabe, is like, and I, I, I understand what Jake is, and Sean are saying. There's an emotional element to like the idea of that film possibly winning the Oscars because of mm. the times that we're in, because of how great the film is. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a genuinely brilliant production from a filmmaking standpoint. I guess you can say filmmaking if you want, but I think Emmys is definitely more of the 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 route here, only because it's not... I'm trying to figure out exactly how to explain why it's not a movie. It's just, it's I don't hard. look at it as a movie.
0: Yeah, It's hard. Because I even think that the choice for them to shoot two of their productions without audiences to be able to get close ups Mm. means that more thought went into it than just I'm going to point the camera at the stage and capture whatever it is, because I've been hearing from Eric Eisenberg, who's on our staff of saying it's just like a fathom event. And I don't I don't agree with that. I don't think it's a fathom event. I think more thought went into the the staging of the camera and the and the way that things were captured. But I don't know if enough went into it to make okay, it qualify would, as. Would you, There's no
2: difference. Would, would you put a um, like a concert movie uh, up for Best Picture? <sighs> like where they just set up a bunch of like I'm not talking about you know like a documentary where they bring in interviews and they have a, like I'm just talking about. They set up cameras yeah. around the stage and hit record when the band hits the stage and not let it roll for two and a no, half but that's hours. Not,
0: those aren't performances, though. That's not a performance per se. It's a, music, it's a musical performance. What are you talking about?
1: It's a performance. And yeah, also, I, I, Hamilton I was already awarded. that I have
0: holds any water.
2: I I was where you are now <laughs> yeah. like five days ago. I was like mm. a, a fan of our shows. He's one of my best friends. He and I were having a heated debate. Um, cause cause he and I also do like top 10 lists at the end of every year. And so he brought up the question, like, could this be on your top 10 list? And initially my gut reaction was, yeah, hell yeah, of course. And then we got into the like, but is it actually a movie? And is it fair that, that it could
1: win both a Tony and an Oscar for the same product? This was a question that I have, like, the, the, the show itself gets an EGOT, the actual yeah, show. Yeah. Hamilton. <laughs> that,
2: that means seriously. Yeah. <laughs> it's technically good. Wait, and also, um, what more does this show want?
1: Yeah, all right, well, here, here's the thing. This is actually a question that Lauren and I had. We watched it a bunch over the weekend. If you notice in the close-up shots, the audience reaction is still there. And this is something hmm. I wanted to ask Lin-Manuel Miranda. There's two things, actually, which I find interesting, because I, I wish we could have watched the film prior to the interviews, because these are two things that I want to know. One. When you watch the movie, what are they all looking at as an eye line? Every one of them has the same eye line that they're looking at, not looking at the camera. And I want to know what that is. Maybe it's like a red dot or whatever mm-hmm. it would be. So if anyone knows out there, But isn't that always know. like
2: isn't that a theater thing,
1: like playing it's to the back of the room? Thing. Like you like you yeah. do that whether there's people in the crowd or not. Like you just play to the back of the room. Agreed. But my thought process was I had never really thought about it until watching a film version where we were that close up. So it a made what me think version? really
0: a what version? A film a f- version?
1: There, yeah, I guess, yeah. And honestly, I'm telling you, it's the marketing, right? Uh, the second question I had was watch the close ups again. There's audience reaction in those close ups. Does that mean they looped the audience reaction from the live show into that close yeah, up? Yeah, they had moment? to have. Uh, yeah. That, That's interesting. That but in, so, in some
2: cases, they really didn't, because anytime Lynn or whoever the case is playing Alexander Hamilton comes out and for the first time says Alexander Hamilton, the mm-hmm. crowd goes nuts. And they—that's silence when he does it in the mm-hmm. recorded Disney Plus presentation. Like that is—it's <laughs> just dead yeah. silence. Yeah. And so it's interesting which yeah. moments they choose. And you're right; they're like whenever they show, you know, uh, uh, immigrants, we get the job done. Like that's a pretty close-up shot. Mm-hmm. Class, that's a close-up, and then the crowd goes nuts. So that
1: was a conscious choice to put the audience reaction in there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so this is an interesting question because we we're talking about this idea of the film playing God, uh, right? Like the, it's a mm-hmm. God's eye view. Yeah. 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 Um. Do you think it's strange that they looped a fake, re- uh, not a fake reaction, but a real reaction from a show that existed into a shot where it didn't exist? No, it's kind I of strange.
2: So. No, I mean, it's. I, I, that I think strange. if anything, sometimes it's to draw attention, like just like a camera, put you know, just like a particular camera shot to draw attention to a moment or a line. I think it's um, you know, at, you know, you got you, you, Kevin. You saw it after every number, like the crowd would go nuts, but they didn't. Right. They didn't put an audience reaction after every single number in the film. They really only, which is why I thought one of the things I said was interesting is that you can tell which numbers the director thinks mm. are the big numbers in the show. Because they really only put audience reaction after the big, like, like the, the greatest hits. So like after Room Where It Happens, after My mm. Shot, um, you know, after Wait For It. After those, they put the And then after some of them, I don't want to say lesser songs because there are no lesser songs in him. But after some of the ones that maybe aren't as well known or, or, or you know, listened to or downloaded.
1: They just go ahead and go on to the next number. Yeah, I've thought about this a lot recently. I, 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 like there, it's so interesting to me because I look at the, the version on Disney Plus as We're a completely so, none different-
2: None of us want to say film version.
1: I know. <laughs> I, I, look at, I, I look at the version on Disney Plus now as a completely different animal than the show. Hmm. I agree um, with that. They are two completely different things. One of them tells you where to look. One of them lets you decide where to look. One of them tells the story they want to tell. The other one lets you decide what stories you want to follow. And I find that to be such an interesting thing because I don't think the movie fully represents the show's experience. Now, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think the film itself is brilliant, and I love it. I love having access to it. Um, but it is such a different representation of the show that I saw in the sense of being told what to look at. And this is something we well, all discuss on the show. And one thing I will say, and Gabe, am I allowed to mention any spoilers at this point for Hamilton?
3: Uh,
0: um, no, I, would okay. not. I haven't seen it. I would not. It's, it's selfish. It's a selfish reason. <laughs> I, okay. I want to point out one thing, though. A Samantha, who works on our staff, we just did a Hamilton recording video um, talking about who gave the best performance. It's something unrelated. But she was um, a student of the Broadway cast uh, recording, and she says that there are noticeable changes in the Disney Plus presentation to even just how certain things are sung or performed that aren't as good as the Broadway cast recording, so it's it's such a fascinating thing, Kevin, that you say that everyone's um, memory of Hamilton is going to be completely different because either you right. saw it in person with the original cast, maybe you saw it with the touring production, maybe you knew the the album, you know that everybody had been religiously listening to for years upon years, and you hear every beat and every. Uh, tone change and everything the thing that comes with it and then you see this Disney Plus version and it's different but it's not it's the same but it's not but it's different cuz yeah. it's just there are little tweaks that are going to be that they're going to make it seem unique
1: the one tweet that i i noticed that i kind of miss that kind of like as a fan i missed do you remember the line uh what's the line he goes enter me as he yeah. said in parentheses Yeah in the album it's echoey almost it's almost like enter me it's yeah. like distorted and but in the live show Lynn doesn't do it like that. They don't, they don't, they don't mass. Is it? No, it's Lynn mm-hmm. who says enter me. It's no, Lynn. Lynn says it. It, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, Kevin, I have a question for you. Show, yeah. So you, you saw it with,
2: with uh, Leslie Odom Jr.'s Aaron Burr. Um, and, and Sean, to the, to the point that, that you were talking about, uh, in the album recording, Aaron Burr is, I don't say like menacing, menacing is the wrong word, but like a mm-hmm. little bit more serious and low key. The mm-hmm. guy I saw it with here in Chicago, fantastic. Also like a little bit more serious and low key. And then in this recording, he seems so like manic, and he's just like jacked up to eleven. And he's getting, and he's like smiling, and he's like running all over the place. And it's like a little bit more fun, but it was just a little bit more like, oh, that's not like how I feel. Yeah. Like I've I've heard you do this or seen other people do this role. Like, and it's interesting mm-hmm. that that he would do it that way. And I'm not knocking it because I mean, obviously the dude knows what he's doing, yeah. but it just sort of took me off guard because like I've never seen Burr portrayed in such like a like fun jovial kind of way yeah yeah
0: yeah, yeah. Lauren
1: said the same thing so Lauren and I both saw the show as you said on Broadway and we were in the upper uh tier of the of the balcony so I never had a zoomed in look at Aaron Burr's face sure sure so so what's interesting about what Jake said was Lauren said the exact same thing she's like I don't remember Aaron Burr like being like that animated with his face Leslie Odom jr and it's so interesting because that's another example of how the movie chooses to show you things that you may not have noticed from a stage perspective. Um, I mean, it, it, I agree with you. The The version of Aaron Burr in the in the version on Disney Plus um, does seem much more extreme than the memory I have of him. Um, and, and in fact, and this is something that I think we should we should discuss as well. And Sean, you brought this up just now about Favorite performances. I had a very different experience with the film than I did with the show. When I left that show for the first time and stood outside and tried to meet the cast, uh, you know, I was freaking out to meet David Diggs. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I didn't know who David Diggs was at this moment, or Leslie Odom Jr. And like, David Diggs was the character, the guy that stood out to me the most. La did Faye he come out? And, uh, I want, I'm trying to remember. I believe he did. I'm almost certain he did. Um, so what's interesting about this is when I watch the film, Philippa Sue Su becomes... Mm-hmm. My Favorite performance, um, and you're absolutely to be honest, right, you're absolutely right. I'm, and yeah, and I'm and I'm grateful for the movie to opening me up to Eliza, so it's like one of these like push pull things yeah. where because, I'm fortunate enough to have had both experiences. Yeah. And David so, is so
2: big, like, David, yeah. like, like, you could be in the back row and and sort of like you yes. still appreciate, like, Philippa Sue, like, I feel like. That is a performance that lends itself to being right there to being like having the camera yeah. right and and I agree with you 100% like uh, she is the like David Diggs might be the and he won the Tony, he might be the MVP of the stage production, but she is the
1: MVP of that film. So do you now this makes me wonder which is really interesting. So she didn't win the Tony. And yeah. now that I'm looking she at the movie. She lost to um, or the movie. <laughs> uh, she lost to
2: who is the the, the incredible woman uh, that played uh, Harriet Tubman, Cynthia Widows, Cynthia
0: yes. Rivard for yes. Color Purple. Yes, she and lost for color purple, which, which everybody Lauren, says she was incredible on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's on incredible on in everything.
1: Yeah, Lauren saw both shows. She said Cynthia Riva's performance was just out of this world, mind yeah. blowing. Like she wow. had wow. never seen anyone sing like that. Um, yeah. And I didn't see that show, but but in regards to Philippa Sue, uh, is it Philippa? Philippa? How do you pronounce her name, Jake? Philippa. 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 Uh, Philippa. 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 Um, she's an amazing actress, and I was. I'm actually thankful to the film for giving me that access to her. Mm. Like, the, uh, and without jumping around spoilers, she has a relatively uh, large emotional moment where she just breaks down and mm-hmm. screams. Um, and I was up in the balcony when she did it, and it was emotional, but I never paid attention to her face. Like, I couldn't see her face from there um, that strongly because everyone, you know, so that's a big stage. Also, the movie gave me another a deeper appreciation for the spinning stage. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which I never, yeah. you know, and you I was even in get the balcony. See. yeah. But I I saw I saw it from like a perspective of in the balcony, but it wasn't as as in my face to see the actors walking around it or moving on it. Yeah, yeah. That's that's why now after I watch the film, I'm like I would have changed all of my questions. Everything I would have asked that cast for the junket if I could have seen the film. I would have taken a much deeper dive into the production because I found that to be so interesting. But going back to the Oscars argument, it's hard. Um, It's built as a movie. It's promoted as a movie. We call it a movie, um, but it's not a movie. But
0: I, so I, so then for this reason, I find this to be hysterical because the Oscars just tends to be a show that does everything in its power to make itself as disinteresting as possible. And here they have the opportunity to have the cast of Hamilton come out and perform, you know, three of five nominated songs. And I want all- that,
1: but it's the wrong reason to do it though the wrong reason to do it like it's it, but like, also like, as much as to, I, I want that but
2: the point that i that i brought up to you guys via text was that you know the big regulation for um streaming but oscar consideration is that you have yeah. to have um a theatrical distribution their theatrical yeah. distribution year. was for, for, this for this year. next year yeah 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 so yeah. so what what how would that have worked it still wouldn't have been eligible for the oscars no, because it really wasn't supposed to even come out this year
0: i know i know and i even but but what i'm saying is i guess I would selfishly allow the Academy to be like, Hey, this year is crazy. Let's let Hamilton compete, you know? Like, let's just let's just blow all the rules. So out. you can see them do a thing that you have access to on Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah, I know it's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. But what's going to compete this year? What is literally going to contend? We haven't seen anything, Jake. It's I July, know, and nothing has been. In I, I think
2: bringing Martin Lawrence and Will Smith out on stage and just letting them recite <laughs> lines from Bad Boys Three.
0: I'm, I'm good with that. All right, and yeah, I know Kevin's good with that. Sony's I'm okay with that. With that. Too. Or, or yeah, just dude, like Elizabeth Moss Bay... come on
2: stage and be like, Invisible Man.
1: <laughs> I want Michael Bay to direct, direct the Oscars. That'd be great. Could you imagine if Michael Bay directed the Oscars? <laughs> no. It would be amazing. And Every could single. Day. Dude, and there's an explosion that transitions yeah. between every nominee. <laughs> and if you like, if you if
2: you win two Oscars, if you win like director and picture, you have to like drop it to your knees and like hold the two Oscars up,
1: <laughs> Nick page style. And a jet and has to fly over you with your two Oscars. Green smoke flies out of the, out of the
3: Oscars. When you go long, the walk off music is actually just explosions and the podium <laughs> and flies out of the ceiling. They kill you.
1: Like if you go long, Michael Bay just blows you up. Yeah, <laughs> literally. You don't actually die. You just Explode off screen.
0: All right. CGI. Let's get to this weekend. Movies. This um, show has
1: gone off the rail.
0: <laughs> Some might find it entertaining. Uh, there's three big movies that are coming. Uh, two different streaming services this year, but I want to get to two uh, right off the bat that uh, none of us have seen, but I've heard really good things about. One is First Cow. Uh, First Cow is coming to VOD. That did get a theatrical release. Um, none of us were able to see it, but it came out early this year and had a ton of raves. So I'm going to rent it uh, this weekend because I want to catch up with with what everybody has been raving about to see what the hoopla is. The other one is Relic, which is going to VOD. Um, I'm, it's just is a digital rental game is it? it's available on any kind of platform. Um, so you can check those two out. I did manage to see the old guard. Kev, you're going to uh, on Netflix. The so Charlize Theron, um Eternals film. Did either of you two managed to see that. I'm watching
1: it tonight for uh, I, it tonight? Jake and Jake and I are talking to Kiki Lane on thir- Or I'm talking to Kiki Lane on Thursday. OK, and then the old guard Yeah, are watching it tonight. Yeah.
0: All right. Then I'll I won't give away any kind of spoilers. I kind of hate that. This is almost like with Palm Springs, like there's a hook to Palm Springs that you almost don't want to give away. But the movie tells you what it is in the opening act. So it's not a huge spoiler. Same goes for the old guard. There's a hook to it. Uh, It's given away in the trailer. If you don't know it yet and you still want to watch the old guard and be really surprised, skip ahead five minutes. (laughs) But um, the trailer kind of reveals that the four main players uh, in the movie are immortal. They could be, they could be killed or mowed down in various situations, but they come back. Um, But they don't always come back. There is a limit to the number of times that you could be killed and come back. And so they don't necessarily know each time whether that's going to be the end or not. And so they've been going on missions, For years upon years, uh, they get recruited by different powerful groups, whether they be uh, world governments or criminal organizations, and they're basically up for the highest bid. And in this one, in this particular mission, they're getting betrayed by a lot of different people. And they meet a new Eternal, played by Kiki Lane, and uh, they're trying to figure her out and and whether they could trust her or not. Um, It, to me, feels a little John Wick. It feels a little Mad Max Fury Road. Feels a little atomic blonde, and all of that is because of Charlize. But she's really good in that type of stuff. Like, I think she's a very convincing action star. I like the mythology of the Immortals. Good. There's a lot of stuff that they reveal, and that goes deep into the history of the team. And I thought that was really entertaining. So for a Netflix stream, I I, I really dug it. So Kev, I think you're gonna, I think you're gonna appreciate it when you get a chance to check it out tonight. Um, the other one going to Apple TV Plus. Jake, your boy, Tom Hanks, Greyhound. Tell me about your anticipation level for uh, the World War Two submarine thriller. It's such
2: a bummer. You know, the fact that (laughs) I was texting you guys like I can't remember the last time Tom Hanks had a movie come out where I just sort of went like. "Eh," Like,
0: but why, though? Why? Why?
2: I, I think nothing about the story or the look of it or anything. Honestly, like. To me, like the sign of a good Tom Hanks movie is if I take Tom Hanks out of this movie, is it still a story that I'm interested in that I would like to know about? And you take Tom Hanks out of Greyhound and it just looks like honestly, like it just looks like a generic submarine World War II movie. Like it looks like the ultimate dad movie. Um, I I just and I'm going to watch it. But here's the thing is that I'm probably going to watch it like when it just naturally hits Apple TV so I can press play and put in 90 minutes and watch it. I haven't made, like, I think I have the screener and I haven't made an effort to watch it's it a, in advance. It's a
0: lean 88 minutes. Like it's, it's, like it's I mean, which is,
2: which is okay. Which is like all the better considering my, my lack of interest in it. But like, sure.
0: I mean, and you
2: know, and I know that I know he's going to be good in it and I've heard that he is good in it. And I, I look forward to seeing like, i obviously a good performance from my favorite actor, but I mean, this just feels like it's just such like, like it almost looks like, you know, sometimes in movies, and I think I've made this comparison before, where, like, it's a movie about Hollywood or a movie about movies, and in the background, like, if they're on a lot, they have to have, like, generic movie posters that, like, actors are starring in for, like, fake movies. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. looks like, yeah. a, like a fake movie that they would have Tom Hanks starring in. Like, yeah. like a Tom Hanks. Like, even, like, the poster is, like, a close-up of his head looking off in the distance, which is usually, like, the generic fake poster right. look. Like, it just right, right, it right. feels like a fake movie in a movie about movies.
0: So... Um, I did get to see it um, because I did a press conference with Tom Hanks and it was a virtual press conference and it was cool because it was (laughs) like... um, it was almost one-on-one esque, like we were muted and he couldn't see us, but we got to talk to Tom Hanks for an hour. And his—that's exactly in his what I room. think of
2: when I think of ideal interview situations. <laughs> Dude, I love to be muted. Muted. You're just I like you're when Tom jealous. Hanks can't see me. Yeah, That's, that's my ideal is, Tom Hanks interview: is being is silent and being not seen and having right Tom
0: now. not know. <laughs> but here's what I find um, <laughs> most depressing: is that Tom Hanks. Tom, I'll call him Tom. Tom kind of realized that, like, the movies that he's been in over the years are the antithesis of this movie. Like, he talked about Saving Private Ryan, and he was like, you know, back back then Spielberg was super excited to have us on the beach, you know, charging at actual things with real explosions going off around us. And he talked about Castaway, and he was like, you know, Zemeckis took us to the island, and we waited all that time in between. And then he was almost like defending the use of CGI in this one. He was like, well, we shot it on the, on the deck of a World War II, the USS kid who's, uh, you know, grounded off the coast of uh, Baton Rouge and the water that was used is recreations from, you know, battle photography and, like it's not actual water, and the the other boats were like plates, you know, plate simulations that they put in to for the other boats around him. And he goes, and you know, that's just how movies are made nowadays. And I was like, no, it's not, Tom Hanks. You know that in your day you'd have been on a boat and you'd have been out in the middle of the ocean. And if you did this movie with with uh, Fincher or Spielberg or Nolan, they're putting you in a submarine and you're going out out there. You're not doing all this green screen stuff, because Kevin, when you do sit down to watch this. The amount of CGI in Greyhound is going to just turn your stomach. Your skin is going to be crawling at the sheer amount of digital CGI. It almost looks like the Polar Express. It looks like Tom <laughs> Hanks in the Polar Express. It's that Jeez. cartoonish. It's that cartoony. I know it was. And here's the thing, too, because he co- he wrote this script, right? He is a student of history. Like Tom Hanks loves history. He says in the interview multiple times, like I seek out history stories on my own, like for personal enjoyment. So he's too attached to the material. Like he thinks all this stuff is really interesting. It's 88 minutes of him like barking out numbers and coordinates like circle back around to 88 degrees, uh, rear right thing. And and it's just like, okay, but I don't know who your character is and I don't really care. So Greyhound, Apple TV, (laughs) Apple TV Plus. We're never getting getting
1: Tom Hanks on this show. I haven't seen the film yet. Um the trailer initially was interesting to me and then I rewatched it a few times. I'm like, the CGI, it looks very CGI heavy. Um mm-hmm. I haven't seen it. I'm gonna watch it uh tomorrow night. Old Guard tonight, Greyhound tomorrow night, and I'll review those Friday. But yeah, I uh I'm with Jake in the sense of like I just don't feel an immediacy for it. I don't feel um like I feel like a Tom Hanks movie popping up in a screener box mm. you'd wanna watch immediately. Like I we wanted to watch Hamilton immediately. We wanted to watch um, Palm Springs immediately. We, remember when, um, how
2: would we, we line up two hours early in advance to see uh, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood in Toronto? Like, like, oh, like yeah. that. And we were all jacked. Like that's yeah. the kind of anticipation I feel when, yeah. you know, when, you know, when I, when I, when I camp out a week in advance to see Larry Crown, that's, that's what I want to feel.
0: I also want to point out a really <laughs> funny thing that happened to give you guys a little behind the scenes stuff. So I don't really care. Like this is just fascinating to me. Um, we did that press conference with Tom Hanks about about a week Move ago. Move on
2: from the Tom Hanks press conference, Sean. Nobody cares.
0: And in the press conference, he said to me, Sean, uh, I was heartbroken that um, this movie's not going to theaters. He gave the most candid response of saying, "We were all heartbroken when we heard that this movie can't go to theaters. Um, it he breaks said, our Sean, heart that, that theaters are closed." And he goes, Sean, you know what I mean, right? Like, <laughs> He goes, we used to go to theaters all the time and we were movies together. And um, he said uh, this movie was made for the big screen. Uh, he, he gave this analogy, which I thought was the best Tom Hanks analogy. He said, uh, you know, whether the movie on opening weekend plays to uh, 800, 1200, 200, it doesn't really matter to me. But he goes, but you we cannot replicate the idea of 800 strangers going into a theater And coming out, having shared a common experience of we've we watched that story together and that's what movie theaters do. And, you know, I I hate that um, we're not going to get a chance to do that. Then he said, but um, in this time of uncertainty, uh, Apple really threw us a lifeline and and is giving us a chance to get this movie in front of eyeballs. And I will be very thankful to them for giving us a global release and even talked about how if they were going to theaters, they would have been sandwiched between Wonder Woman 1984 and uh, Top Gun 2 and that in reality, the Tom Hanks submarine movie would have been an underdog in because he goes, we're not a franchise. Uh, We don't have uh, big time stars outside of himself, essentially. So it would have been a challenge. Um, Then I watched Tom Hanks on um, TV this morning on the Today Show, and he led off with boy, Apple TV sure is the best. Like they are just the Apple. Thank you so much. Oh, Apple listen, we got a good movie here, but Apple's really just Apple. And then I got an email from not Apple reps, but like a PR f- firm. And they were like, uh, Hey Sean, I see that story that you wrote on cinema blend, um, where it looked like you were covering the quotes from the guardian. Cause apparently Tom Hanks gave an interview to the guardian where he also said like, I'm just heartbroken. It's not going to theaters. And, and, uh, They go, you think maybe you could redo your story? Because, um, you know, what he said on the Today Show is a little more, uh, you know, how he feels kind of thing. And I said... um well, funny you say that um, I, I didn't I wasn't covering the Guardian. I was covering the press conference that I was in <laughs> and we ran the quotes as he gave them. But it's just funny to see the spin, you know, turn out where Apple probably went to him. And was like, Tom, you're killing us here. Yeah. <laughs> we gave you a lot of money for Greyhounds.
1: I want to give Tom <laughs> Hanks credit for, yeah. for speaking up about that stuff. I mean, that's really cool. I mean, again, I didn't see the Today Show piece, but I saw the Guardian Quotes And I saw the quotes that you were talking about as well. Yeah. Um, good for him. Good for him for being honest. And, and, and at, at that point in the tour um, to come out and say that, because I think everybody would. I mean, like, 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 why not? Why can't you just be trans like honest sure. like that? And listen, I, I'm so this bummed is not this what we wanted. In theaters. It's just we're bummed. But hey, we yeah. do have this access. And then like, you know, that, that that to me, that that was probably what really Hank's thought you know, in those initial moments of those press interviews. And that, I get it. I get it from an Apple standpoint. Um, You don't want your star saying something like that. But at the end of the day, you know, he's not wrong. No, he's not of course wrong. Not. He's not. He's not even and, and, he's not
0: even em- embellishing it.
1: He's just getting it. And I admire it so much more coming from a major star like that, who probably, you know, we see a lot of actors and a lot of directors and a lot of media elements where you go, oh, that seems like a media trained answer. That seems like a a a, a spin, whatever it is. Um, I like the brutal honesty that <laughs> Hanks brought to that subject matter. And it, it, yeah, it's unfortunate. That movie looks like it would be cool, like in Dolby. Uh, yeah. I would imagine the sound would be awesome in Dolby. Um, I mean, I, that's the thing. At the end of the day, I just, I appreciate that honesty. So oh, that email know, made me. Says Sean, initially. when are you and uh, Tom going to have lunch together?
0: Uh, next week. Next week, he's coming through uh, Charlotte. We're going to... Well, we have to do takeout because everything's closed,
2: unfortunately. Yeah. Well, what, thank, uh, I mean, what... thank God he has a lot of money because
1: that's the only one you can afford Shake Shack, right? Shake Shack, Shake Shack. Sean, what
0: terminal are you picking him up at? <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's pretty good, Kevin. It's not. Bad. Thank, you. thank uh, you. The last movie is Palm Springs, which we talked about at length uh, last week. Jake was uh, singling out, or two weeks ago, I think, when we did our best of 2020 so far, Jakey put it as his number one. Um, it is really, really funny. It's really funny um, if you like the Lonely Island uh, movies that Andy Samberg has done in the past. Um, I was raving about, in, in a review I did for the Cinema CinemaBlend YouTube page, the chemistry between Andy Samberg and Kristen Milioti. Is that her last name? Milioti? Milly- um, they were great together. It's a clever concept, but if you don't believe in the couple, because it's as much a romantic comedy as it is uh, just a high concept, Again, I don't want to give away the reveal, although people probably know what it is at this point. I thought they were great as a couple. I really like J.K. Simmons uh, doing J.K. Simmons things Mm -hmm. when he shows up in his cameo roles. Um, I am excited to see what these guys do next, because uh, as you heard in our interview, like this movie went through a lot of different iterations. And when Andy came on board, he sort of shaped it in a way that he wanted to go to. And they were really open to doing that. But um, yeah, it's Palm Springs is really really funny, and I think people need to give it a shot when it hits Hulu. uh, Jakey, yes.
2: Uh, Okay, I have a question, but it does involve talking about the bit. So can we just give people? I mean, the the trailer's out there. Can we can we just give people a heads up and?
0: Yeah, I
1: mean, it's fair game if it's in the trailer. But I will I will say this, and I think we all are going to agree on this. Um. It's smarter to watch the film without yeah, if knowing you can, if anything. If you can watch, if
2: you can watch it without,
1: if you've and Gabe G- is far,
2: and, yeah, Gabe. What if you can? If you need to cut this part out, but I, I just genuinely want to ask you guys. So, so I aired my interviews with the cast uh, today, and aired obviously clips from the film, and 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 what happened was what exactly what I knew was going to happen, which was like my anchors went. So it's Groundhog Day. Yeah, and it's such an interesting like, like, like yes, like you're not wrong. It is Groundhog Day. But so many movies have been able to take that bit, for lack of a mm-hmm. better word, and really do something fun and different. I thought Edge of Tomorrow is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. I really love the Happy Death Day movies. I don't know if you guys got a chance to watch them. Mm-hmm. They are so fun. Yeah, like, so, the first
1: one's great. That
2: first Happy Death Day is amazing. And so, you know, I, and don't get me wrong. like I love Groundhog Day. But this idea that they're the only ones like that. Like, I feel like people take like use that as a knock. Well, it's just Groundhog Day. And the fact that like the idea that oh, like that's the only movie that gets to do that ever seems a little unfair because other movies have done it, done it, I'd argue just as well and, 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 and took it in their own way. Yet I feel like I'm continuously trying to convince people like, no, like, okay, yeah, but you're that's that's overly dismissive to just say it's Groundhog Day.
0: Yeah, no, I would agree with that, Um, because this movie, even just where it would start the character, um, each of those other films that you mentioned, they have to go through the same Bill Murray steps of, like, trying to figure out with the audience why they're there. And I like that Palm Springs throws you so far down the timeline um, that it can do funnier things with it, because you're not with Andy Samberg trying to figure out, like, oh, no, is he in a time loop? How does he even get to that point? This movie just wisely starts with a minute, you know, and yeah. I thought that was a really clever way for them to get into it. I think we do that, though, with so many different things. Like, I'll, I'll use Die Hard as an example. Like, for the longest time, that was the benchmark of single guy against group of terrorists yeah. that it became Die Hard and a thing. So now it's like this is Groundhog Day at a wedding kind of thing. But it's, but it's yeah. not. I, you're right. It's not. It's, it's more evolved than that. And people should. But if that's what gets them in, if that's what gets somebody in where they say, oh, Andy Samberg's trying a Groundhog Day concept and that's cool i'm glad that But, it's, but I,
2: I feel like it's the opposite though i feel like people use that as 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 a reason not to see it like mm. like every person that i've tried to explore like just sort of say okay i'm just gonna tell you what the bit is and then people go like oh like i've already seen it it's groundhog day i'm like i
0: don't know mm. I, may, uh, if someone else is trying to do groundhog day i would i would want to see like, I, I love i honestly
2: i think i like edge of tomorrow more like if you said i had to watch either edge of tomorrow or groundhog day i'm gonna choose edge of oh, tomorrow yeah.
1: No question. No question mm-hmm. I would watch Edge of Tomorrow. But I mean, I and I, I, listen, I like Groundhog, Groundhog Day, Day a lot. Really great, yeah, really I like Groundhog Day, but I didn't grow up on Groundhog Day like a lot of people did. I, mm-hmm. I like that mm-hmm. film. But um, I, I agree with Jake, though. It, it, it is kind of like it, it's an oversimplification of a great movie. It's completely oversimplifying the idea of what a great movie has, has achieved because you're mm-hmm. basically saying, oh, it's just like this movie. And it's not. Um, that being said, you know, this film touches on a lot of very interesting perspectives. I think one of the most important messages I took away from this movie was the idea of appreciating the little things in life. And then we, you know, we joke around about the dog shit thing in the interview. But at the end of the day, that scene is the scene that hit me the hardest because it kind of like because for people who haven't seen the film, I won't go into the details about why. But that, that is the arc of the character right there with Samberg's character. Um, and I just found that to be such an effective tool because it was such a, an absurd thing to point out, but it grounded the film, literally, I guess, uh, in, in in a very interesting way for me. Um, I think this film speaks a lot to what we appreciate in life, what we forget in life, what we don't think about in life, and kind of how we're all caught up in our own crap all day long, and you just forget to appreciate the little things you have um and so for me that's what kind of what this film did but comedically and sci-fi wise it took it in a very special direction i also want to say that andy sandberg i think is a very good a-, a very good actor i really feel that he is um people can make fun of me you know for saying his performance in pop star is brilliant i think it is uh, i think his pop star performance is again a gigantic arc of a performance within an absurdity of a of a of a, of a comedy but here he also shows, again, his dramatic chops like he's very good dramatically. He delivers monologues really well. He's his facial expressions are very interesting. Um, this film deals a lot with rewake rewaking up in different emotions and how they were able to capture that with the close up of the eye and the emotions in the face. It's very well designed um, in that regard. And one of the things I found interesting was talking to Andy Sandberg was about how he had to. Go back and forth to the studio like twenty-five times to get the trailer to where he wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Because when when you, when you're when you're a studio who spends a lot of money on a film like that at Sundance, um, you you, loo- you lose a little bit of control over your pro- your film at that point. And I really think that Samberg really wanted to keep the bit a secret. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, and this is something that he said in the interview was it's it's the push pull of trying to get people excited for a film, but at the same time not ruining the experience for them. And he's, I think he said like 24 or something emails or whatever it was between him and Neon and Hulu, whatever it was, to find that exact sweet spot to mm-hmm. not give things away. That being said, I think the trailer does give a lot away. Now, that's after seeing the film. Yeah. I kind of would love to know someone's perspective. If, if someone out there doesn't mind doing an experiment for me, um, if you, if for people listening to our show, if you've not seen the trailer for Palm Springs, I'd love to, for you to watch the trailer and then watch the film and let me know if it ruined it for you. Um mm. I, 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 I kind of uh, did anybody do that yet? Did Gabe do that already? I saw
3: it like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw oh, it go. going into. Hi it. Gabe, thank
1: you. Answer that question for me. All right,
3: cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, long-time listener. Um <laughs> first No, time no, no, no.
1: It, first time calling. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> it was uh I still love the movie. I I was disappointed. I'm a very sensitive spoiler person. I like knowing who's in it, who wrote it, who made it. And then if I'm interested, then I'm interested, you know, or if someone recommends it, one of you guys recommends it. I don't need to know anything more than you recommended it. That's how I go into stuff. But it's a very, like, sensitive way of going about it. So I was bummed that I knew the bit uh, going into it, but it didn't. It was still great. And I was still Wait, Did I still you watch the trailer expecting... before the movie? Yeah, I had bit. to watch the trailer because I had to cut. I had to cut some video. Okay. Um, and so I had to watch the trailer to cut that video. But I, I the the surprises and stuff in it were still great. Like the way that it kind of uh, enhances the, the bit or like the fact that there's like this whole portion in it that I don't want to say too much, but it still is, has enough surprises. It still goes places and has that silly sense of humor that I really like from Andy Samberg and that whole group that I came out of it. Same like Jake, like just in love with the movie. So Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's fine if you can, if you can avoid it, that's the best way to experience it, I think. Because mm-hmm. it is it is a really cool, like, w- the reveal itself is really cool. All right, yeah, so I mean, I've for a, me,
1: and, the, and then this is the last thing I'll say, but I'm sorry, Jake. And I'm just real quick. Since I didn't know the bit, um, there's a beautiful moment that happens in, in the film uh, where you and the film are trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. That makes sense. And there's, like, this really beautiful realm of, like, 20 minutes or so in the beginning where Lauren and I were on edge as to what was actually happening. That is a purely beautiful thing that a filmmaker can do. If they can mm-hmm. capture you like that for a second, it is truly special. Um, but it, like Gabe said, there's like it's hard these days to avoid these spoilers and that type of bit. But then again, here's the flip side. This is the interesting question: you can't sell just a r- random romantic comedy. You have to make. Yeah, you, you can't have to you sell two people at a wedding. Right. Like, and so like, I wonder. Okay, let me ask you guys this real quick. If you were to cut a trailer for this film, what would you have put in it that would have gotten people interested without ruining the bit?
0: Um, I would have made it a, a movie about J.K. Simmons um, and Andy Samberg. I would have only included their bits. Okay. And and so just them fighting? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, I don't uh, even want to say what they're doing. Yeah. I don't want to say... I would have just included... I would have leaned heavily on them and then brought you in okay, and then so you so would have been like, oh, what the heck? How did I get into this?
2: Yeah, maybe... I say I, I maybe included... Andy at the wedding, and then the first time we see J.K. Simmons on screen, like sort of mm-hmm. that introduction, and then some of the cutaways from that point on, and led with this, like, why is this person doing this right. to this person? Mm-hmm. And, and it maybe even build it up in the trailer, like it all makes sense when you watch that Adam Springs.
0: All right, we gotta stop talking about it right. because we're going okay. too far down the I, have, the- I
2: have a question, I have one quick question. If you guys were stuck in the time loop Today, this day, mm. how many times would you do this show before you just start texting everyone going, guys, I can't do it anymore? Oh, my gosh. Because 10. I'm afraid my... Oh, you, you go full 10? <laughs> 10. I'm afraid I might do like two and then be like, all right, guys, I'm sick. <laughs> i can't can't do the same show over and over again
0: well you would have you'd have fun um changing it like you'd have fun tweaking but it would just it would would be
2: torture for poor gabe just like just me messing with the show every time it would be
0: i don't know i still say 10 i still say 10 all right this week's (laughs) blend game uh this week we are celebrating the powerhouse actress viola davis um And, uh, you know, we say this from time to time, this one ended up being much harder than, than anticipated because she's, she's been in a number of really great films. She's been great in a number of really great films, but I ran into one issue where, um, I love a film that she's in, but she wasn't in it enough for me to choose it as that choice, which for me is doubt. Um, I've raved about doubt on this show before. But I think she's the fourth best person in that in that movie. And that's only because the other three happen to be uh, Meryl Streep, Amy Adams and Philip Seymour Hoffman. And um, she has a very important role, but not big enough for me to um, go above uh, Fences, which is what I chose. Um, and, you know, that's the one that got her her Oscar, too. Uh, and I love Her performance in Fences, because when you give uh, two actors like Viola Davis and Denzel Washington uh, that script from August Wilson, uh, it's it's just the stars align, essentially, like it's a Pulitzer Prize winning play. It's two of the most powerful performers of our lifetime, and they just dig into it with everything that they have. And they have so many amazing scenes. She's such a great Perform. Uh, she gives such a great performance in that role, um, but but it because of them it it transcends the problem that I have often when you adapt something from the stage to the screen. And Gabe, that's why when you mentioned somebody trying to do Hamilton, I got like really nervous chills because it just loses something when you try to add that um, artifice of. What worked on a stage, we're now going to build the neighborhood, you know, that that the couple lives in. Or we're going to build the home. Or if it's Hamilton, you know, we're going to try to cast somebody in the actual roles as opposed to those people who did it. Now, I, I'm fairly certain that Denzel and uh, Viola Davis both did the roles in Fences, didn't they, on stage? Yes. So they knew what to bring to those performances. Um, but it, it, it didn't lose a step to me in making the transition from stage to screen. It still felt like a story that... Belonged uh, in that neighborhood, essentially. Maybe because it's a it's a limited amount of locations. It's largely their house and backyard. Um, it goes around in the blocks for a little while, but it's not like a globe trotting adventure type thing. Um, it really is allowed to just sort of focus on those two performances, the three performances if you include the sun. Uh, and I th- I thought she was exquisite, and so um, yeah, I, I that's my favorite role of hers. I think it's probably her best performance, and um, so. I went with her Oscar winning film. I went with Fences. Kevin, you chose.
1: I also went with Fences as well. And I remember, I remember sitting in that theater. I mean, she's, Viola Davis is one of the greatest actors of our time. Uh, Mm -hmm. She is such an emotional powerhouse, like just commands the screen, commands your attention as an audience member, uh, as we saw in Doubt, uh, obviously. Um, Fences was one of the first times, like Denzel Washington is one of the greatest actors to ever live. And I just watched these two powerhouse performers just nailing every single moment of the movie. Um, also, that's a really tough film to watch. It's a very mm-hmm. hard film to watch. Uh, Denzel's character, like what, what's interesting about Fences, is it, it, it's a it's a real film. It feels like a real life story. It feel, it feels like you're watching, like it feels like you're actually going in with a camera and watching someone's real life happen. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how raw and gritty the performances were in that movie um she her performance performance in that film is it, it's transcending it is incredible and I was trying to. it's funny we were going through her list and I think I'm actually talking more about best here than favorite this time around uh, only because I just feel like that performance just it, 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 it destroyed it. me mm-hmm. it destroyed me um is it a movie that I would go back and watch as a favorite probably not um but thinking about her performances that one in particular was just and you know i think I, i'm one, i don't want to mention the other one i had because i want i don't know if jake has chosen it the other one i had was like right in the running with it uh, it wasn't okay uh, the other one i had was oh. widows um which i thought was a really underrated film as well that film that just didn't get the recognition it deserved in her performance and that was absolutely amazing as well but when it comes to fences like okay if you look at um Denzel Washington he's generally he's the lead of his films he is that lead the whole time um I find you know you watch training day I love Ethan Hawke but Ethan Hawke's a supporting character you know I, and Viola won for leading right in in supporting fences right What was, was it supporting yeah. I right, well that bothers me because I feel like she was leading I feel like she deserved a I lead. I think it was Oscar probably one of those situations
2: where I don't know who won best actress yeah. that year but maybe it was one of those political things where they where just the said "Studio would have a better shot. Yeah.
4: yeah.
1: Yeah, but but when I look at fences, they are on even playing fields for me. I agree with like that. Like it could be it could have easily been like Denzel lead, great performance. Viola was a great supporting character. I thought they were on the same playing field. I thought oh, yeah. her scenes were just if not more powerful at times than Denzel washington and i i just truly found that performance to be amazing
0: so if she went lead she would have competed against emma stone who won for la la land and the year that viola davis won she beat this is a stacked category naomi harris for moonlight nicole kidman in lion octavia spencer for hidden figures and michelle williams for manchester by the sea God damn, that's a category (laughs) and Viola Davis ended up winning it.
2: I always always feel like the supporting categories are always much more interesting than
0: the lead categories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, This is one difference between Denzel and Viola Davis that I'm going to point out because I only bring it up because Kevin and I both said fences. Denzel's made some amazing films, uh, obviously, but he's also made some films that you know, Magnificent seven or the equalizer sequel. Like he takes a few things that are, that are, I like the
1: equalizer sequel. I'm sorry. I thought that film was the hurricane scene was fun. I thought that was fun, man. I like that movie.
0: I I think whenever you see Viola Davis in a movie, you can say, Oh, oh, she's going to make it better, you know, Uh, or, or, or this is going to be good. And I'll use widows as an example. Widows could have been a generic action film, you know, or just a run of the mill vengeance pick. Uh, With the the wives of of criminals, you know, teaming up and maybe it's Steve McQueen or maybe it's the entire cast like Cynthia Revo in that as well, too. Uh, It was just great. You know, it was like one of the best examples of that type of movie. And I think Viola Davis just picked material that that's going to be outstanding. And so uh, I'll give her credit for that. Jakey, you went with
2: Uh, I went with Doubt. Um, for uh, a lot of the reasons that you said that you didn't choose doubt, yeah, um, I think it is incredible that she can be. Okay, honestly, that whenever I, I think I'm with you, I think doubt is a masterpiece. Oh, and but when you say doubt, I think of the scene with Viola Davis. Really? Like I just yeah. that the fact that she is in the movie for doubt, no doubt, l- l- no <laughs> d- for less than ten minutes, and can capture my like consciousness whenever mm-hmm. someone brings that movie up. I mean, and, and and you could argue gives and that in those 10 minutes, just as good of a performance as Philip Seymour Hoffman, Meryl Streep and Amy mm. Adams, I think mm-hmm. says a lot. And it was really this was at a time when I didn't really know who Viola Davis was. Like that was pretty, I would arg- ar- argue early in her cinematic career. Mm-hmm. And I remember I did that junket and I remember walking out of that theater going like, OK, yeah, of course, Meryl Streep was great. Of course, Philip Seymour Hoffman was great. Of course, Amy Adams was great. But who was that? Yeah, like, yeah. Who was that person in that scene? And then I believe she got an Oscar nomination for it. I mean, and we're also talking, I mean, like, I don't I don't want to, for people that haven't seen doubt, I don't want to like ruin the details of that scene. Yeah. But that scene is haunting. Yeah. Like what her character says and what her character justifies is, it's just the most heartbreaking thing. Um, it's just unbelievable. Like she cast a shadow over that film from the, from the second her character leaves, leaves the frame. And, mm-hmm. and I just think that is such a testament to her ability as an actor. Um And and I, you know, I tried to your point. I tried not to pick that mm. because she is in the film so little. But one, I thought, well, if it was good enough for an Oscar nomination, it's good enough yeah. for me to pick. And also, I just couldn't everything I picked. I just kept thinking, well, I don't like it as much as I love her in doubt. Sure. So, so I ended up choosing down.
0: So she got an Oscar nomination for that. Uh, she also got an Oscar nomination for The Help. Um, which I think is probably her highest profile role, right? Like, that's a huge one for her. Yeah, I'd say so. And then uh, she won for Fences. So three nominations and one win so far, and I would assume uh, a lot more to come. So let's get to viewer selections, uh, audience picks. Derek Curry uh, and Dustin Stout went with Widows, uh, Kevin's runner-up. Megs said Fences. Kevin Lee says Doubt, because she completely steals the show. And Nikki weighed in and said, this game is impossible and gave up because you can't choose just one. So um, I totally understand. That's that. That's the please, game. That is the game. <laughs> that is unfortunately the game, uh, the the blend game. So for next that's week, like, that's Gabe, like please in the Super insert Bowl some being motorhead. Like, this is...
1: Into this, why? i was is gonna that say a that motorhead that, thing. Remember that song was the 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 game. Like, like they have a very famous song it was in the Tony Hawk game. I can't remember the name of it now. That's oh my god, I'm blanking. Go ahead, continue. I'll find
0: it. You look it. it up while we're doing this next week. You can reach out to us on Twitter or email uh real blend at cinemablend.com and tell us your choice for, i like that whatever yeah, the we're gonna name the game. do they really okay all <laughs> i know is the song. ace of spades um yeah whenever we're gonna reveal what next week's blend game is if you watch on the youtube channel jake leans forward and he wants to he's <laughs> waiting really? to see you every single week it's actually <laughs> one of the things i look forward to in doing this show uh nicole kidman blend we're gonna play hashtag nicole kidman blend have we not uh, done her Apparently, apparently we haven't. So um, I'm going to pick uh, Big Little Lies. Is that is that allowed? Can I do the entirety of the HBO series? No? That's Gabe saying no? All right. Uh, so let us know what you guys want to choose for a hashtag Nicole Kidman Blend. Uh, you can, as I said, play along on social media or you can email us at realblendedcentimablend.com. And that's where you can also send us reviews. And this week's review... Comes from a long time listener of the show. Someone we haven't heard from in a really long time, which breaks my heart a little bit because she was so dedicated to um, our, you know, what we've been doing all these years and then seems to have moved on to bigger, better things. Kev's mom, Kevin's Kev's mom writes a review this week and she says, uh, outstanding, insightful, and most of all, great. Real blend is a great podcast with the best hosts. Anyone could ask for Jake, Kev and Sean make every episode feel fresh and exciting to listen to and it's truly one of my favorite pastimes whenever a new episode rolls around it's been awesome to sit on the sidelines and watch real Bl- real blend grow to the point it is now p.s for kev i want to say that i'm sorry about your dog oscar i'm working oh. on a short film now and the crew has decided to name the dog in the film oscar out of respect oh. for your dog r.i.p and keep amazing. up the great work cheese pizza comma dunkirk <laughs> exclamation points
1: <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. incredible wait kev, cheese totally d- pizza is d- a deep cut
0: <laughs> yes
1: uh, deep dish
0: yeah so they're uh, doing a short film and there's a dog in the short film and they changed the name of the dog to oscar was that is that
1: is that is that carrie i have no idea it's It's the only reason i said that is because um i i mean one of our fans was named carrie uh she i think she was making a short film when you said kev's mom i thought that i mean i figured that that was probably the name the person put but it sounds like it was carrie
0: it could be i don't know i don't know well if she's listening direct messages but i love that review very nice um OK, so
1: thank you for doing that. Thank Seriously, thank you for doing that. That's absolutely amazing. And I'm honored. Absolutely honored. Like we're going to uh, I will gladly um, show that film in my house for my wife, which I will be very, Please. very, very excited to see that. that. Honestly, that's the first thing. First time anyone's ever done something like that for me. So thank you. That is really, really cool. Appreciate um, it.
0: Thank you guys all, so much for all the support you've been giving to the show on Apple podcast uh, star ratings and reviews and and going over to the Facebook page and keeping that community thriving and we really appreciate you guys taking the time to download the bonus episodes that we're putting up uh such as mike flanagan and then of course tuning into the main show uh again the the merch shop is open cinemablend.com backslash shop uh and then uh, of course all the social media channels that we mentioned uh jake's takes kevin mccarthy tv sean underscore o'connell and the main account real blend so we'll be back next week With a brand new episode. Um, Gabe, we have a bonus episode too next week, do we? Gabe says yes, kind of. We'll tease it out later. And great. Until then, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Dunkirk. 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 Dunkirk.